Sports fans, I'm Danielle McCartan. McCartan after midnight. I'll be talking all things New York sports with you till 6 a.m. on this early Sunday morning or late Saturday night. If you're still out and about in the city that never sleeps, or maybe you're working on a weekend like usual. Hey, me and Emmanuel are two tonight. We are coming to you live from the rebranded Mike Francesa studio. The plaque is off the wall, everybody, and we've got new banners, Carton and Roberts studio. I guess we're calling this now. And guess what? If you guys want to get aboard and join the show tonight, it's 877-337-6666. Let's load them up with your best content only, please, and thank you. And returning to the show by popular demand is the Cynthia Freeland from NFL Network, and she's going to be here in the 4 a.m. hour to be my co-teacher in evaluating and in assessing the Jets and the Giants 2021 draft classes. Oh, yes, this is a special three-hour 3 a.m. edition tonight, and of course, as you've come to expect, this is always jam-packed. It's been a hard day's night, and I've been working like a dog. After a two-hour and 25-minute rain delay, it was a hard day's turned into night for the New York Yankees, but luckily... Glaber Torres made them feel all right in a game that was supposed to start at 1.10 and didn't end until 7.30 p.m., that is. Told you guys last week that this Yankee season was going to be a roller coaster and to buckle up. Well, I hope you've been wearing your seatbelts throughout this series with the Nationals, despite DJ LeMayhew hitting a leadoff home run Friday night, which one on which I, I want a little bit of cash, and another one late, a little later in the game, the Yankees, who were riding high, were demolished at the stadium by the Nationals on Friday night, 11-4. But Saturday, Kleber Torres has struck out three times prior to <clears throat> tying the game in the bottom of the ninth. With one out, Judge on first, and LeMahieu on third. Torres put a swing on pitch number two that he looked like he wanted to hit the ball to the moon. I wrote down, come on, man, just put it in play. The very next pitch, he went with an outside pitch right to right field, and DJ LeMay, who came home easily to tie the game. That was in the ninth. Torres told Meredith Morakovic after the game that teammates told him, after striking out those three times on Saturday, that you'll get the last bat at bat. Just believe. And so he did. And using his words, he just put the ball in play, and the Yankees beat the Nationals 4-3 in dramatic fashion. The Astros may have stolen signs, but the Yankees ran into a buzzsaw named Max Scherzer early, but ended up stealing this game from him and the Washington Nationals. Scherzer absolutely dominated the Yankees, setting an opposing pitching record at the new Yankee Stadium, striking out 14 Yankees, and surrendering, surrendering only two hits. Ironically, the last time the Yankees struck out 14 times in a game, they also won. So maybe we're onto something here. But hitting against the Nationals' bullpen isn't easy. It's not like you knock out Scherzer, who pitched a gem into the eighth inning, just to get to a weak bullpen. Entering Saturday's game, the Nationals' bullpen had allowed one hit in its last 43 at-bats. To whom? Clint Frazier on an RBI single. This game was like playoff baseball. What did it reveal about these New York Yankees? Two things. I mean... Do you want the good news or do you want the bad news first? 
I always like the bad news first. So the bad news is the Yankees still struggle against elite pitching, which doesn't bode well in playoff baseball. They're going to need to figure that out. But two, the good news, the Yankees had the strength and had the resolve to rally from that 2-1 deficit to win the game in extra innings. And prior to Saturday's victory, the Yankees this season had been 0 for 13 when trailing after 8. Last week, we talked about how the Yankees seemed to have turned the proverbial corner after splitting the series against the Orioles. I was right. They swept the Tigers in that get-right series, and they and their fans took it to the Astros, winning the series against MLB's public enemy, number one. On a side note, I would just like to commend the Yankee fans on a job well done. I told you, bring a sign. The signs were on point. I remember um, the one that said, this is the one sign the Astros can't steal. I like that one. Or the ABCs of cheating, Altuve, Bregman, Correa. That was another good one. There are five cheaters still on their roster, one being pitcher Lance McCullers Jr. Although Altuve had a really clutch hit in one of the games, I'm purposely understating this, the four of the position player cheaters that, that were playing and still play for the team are Altuve, Bregman, Correa, and Gurriel. Kind of like the main players there, right? In this series, and yes, I was keeping track, they were 10 for 49. Oh, Carlos Correa, hitless through the first two games. And that same Correa who said prior to the series start, I'm not afraid of Yankee Stadium. The fans don't scare me. Their pitching is soft, and you can't stop someone like me. Hitless through the first two games. Hmm. And remember when Dom Smith said of the Phillies' Alvarado, if he wants to meet me in the tunnel tomorrow, we'll get after it? The foreshadowing is not lost on me. While Alvarado did not take his advice, McNeil and Lindor certainly did on Friday night. No, there ain't no doubt. I think I'm gonna call him out. She says, I think he did it, but I just can't prove it. No matter what they tell you, they certainly did it. And they certainly got into it. The look on Michael Conforto's face said it all. There were no rodents at City Field. No rats, no raccoons, and no possums. They were arguing all right. So what, though? It happens. At least they had enough consideration not to do it where they could have been caught on camera, whether that be on the field or in the dugout. You know, no one forgets seeing their first New York City rat. Mine involved not just a single rat, but an infestation in a restaurant's kitchen when I mistake the kitchen door for the bathroom door. I mean, I am talking cat-sized rats with long, thick tails scampering along the stovetops. No, I did not eat there. So when Francisco Lindor says the kerfuffle in the tunnel of City Field was because of a possible rodent sighting, knowing how big New York City rats are, I'll be honest, I did believe him for a second. But in all seriousness... Those press conferences at the end of the game, that Friday night game of Lindor and McNeil, were so fake, so contrived, and so cringeworthy. Really, they should have just sat together on the same Zoom and told the truth. From my vantage point, there was no need to get into the specifics. But a united, truthful, upfront approach would have been really appreciated. 
you know what? By me and by the, all the New Yorkers. I think you guys all agree. I think you might be nodding your head at your radios right now. I probably would have squashed it immediately. Rojas talked to McNeil and Lindor after, about the incident um, Friday night, he said. And he, then he said, we're together today. That was on Saturday. Mets acting GM Zach Scott agrees. He said, it's definitely not how I'd go. I think it, what's unfortunate is it's a little bit bigger of a story than what it needs to be. And it takes away from what was one of our biggest wins of the year. Instead of harping on this rat, this is me now, end quote there. Instead of harping on over this rat story, the real narrative should have been how the Mets won in a dramatic walk-off fashion. It was a walk-off dribbler by their third-string catcher, Patrick Mazika, in his second, count them, one, two, major league at bat. But before that, Lindor came up big with his first home run at City Field. I tweeted, at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N, by the way, I said, well, 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 Lindor with a two-run shot to tie the game, I see. Can't say I'm surprised. It's May, isn't it? I told you guys. End quote. That was my tweet. Lindor's bat certainly is heating up over the past two nights. Friday night, two for five, two runs scored, two RBI, and a game-tying two-run home run. Saturday, just looking at the box score now, two for three, a run scored, an RBI, and a walk. Pretty good over the past two games. Heating up, I'd say. And of course, McNeil launched a home run into the bullpen Saturday night, and no one was happier for him than Francisco Lindor himself. How fast did that SNY camera pan to him? In any event, the Mets kept the momentum going, notching another win versus the Diamondbacks, winning their fifth series so far this season. And later today, the Mets are playing for their second sweep of the season, with DeGrom on the mound. Kind of like the first, though, because the one sweep, two of those Philadelphia games were postponed. Rangers fans, all aboard the crazy train that this week has been. Are you ready to get off? I mean, this week has been filled with more drama than an episode of The Real Housewives of New Jersey. There have been three main developments. One, Washington Capitals, Tom Wilson's manhandling of Pavel Buchnevich and Artemi Panarin, Panarin, one in which he was ultimately fined only $5,000. That's all, but that's the maximum. Buchnevich, on the other hand, was suspended one game for his high-sticking in that same game. Things, again, that make you say, hmm... The second development was that the Rangers released a scathing statement speaking out against George Paros, who has been in the NHL's Department of Player Safety since his hiring in 2016. As a result, Thursday, the team was fined a whopping $250,000, a quarter of a million dollars for that statement. And the third development, also on Thursday, current assistant GM and former captain, Rangers captain, Chris Drury was named as the team's president and general manager after the firings of President John Davidson and GM Jeff Gordon on Wednesday. So one by one here. Number one, Tom Wilson, who is 27 years old and will be completing his eighth full season in the league, has been suspended on five different occasions only throughout his career, and that definitely should be a higher number. Some examples, you ask. 2017, he was 19 years old. 
He had a hit against the boards on Flyers' Braden Shen, forced him from the game. After the hearing, no suspension. 2018 Stanley Cup playoffs. He had a hit against Blue Jackets' Alexander Wenberg, also forced him from the game. Got away with the suspension, without a suspension, that is, because of, are you ready for this one? Lack of sufficient camera angles. How about the 2018 Stanley Cup playoffs a little bit later? Hit to the head of Penguins' Brian Dumoulin. Also forced him from the game. Tom Wilson got away without a suspension because, this is a quote, contact to the head was unavoidable on that play. Again, these are just some examples on where Tom Wilson did not get a suspension and definitely deserved one. Which brings me to his conduct against the Rangers this week. A fine of $5,000, which was the maximum allowed, and a 10-minute penalty is downright insulting. Listen, I get it. It's hockey. It's obviously part of the game. All you have to do is just search it up online, though. There are literally compilation videos of Tom Wilson crossing the line hits. A couple tweets were asking me, okay, so who's the Rangers enforcer for him? Enforcer? Do you mean corrections officer? What that guy Tom Wilson did and has been doing is not hockey gamesmanship. It's assault. And I'm not sure why the NHL's Department of Player Safety seems to feel that they have to protect this animal. Are they waiting for him to kill somebody on the ice? Then what happens? How do they handle it? And by they, I mean George Paros, who has been in, like I said, the NHL Department of Player Security since 2016. Player safety, that is, since 2016. The Rangers, in a surprisingly public condemnation statement, they brought the fire. Fire emojis all over the place. They called Tom Wilson's beatdown of Buchnevich and Panarin a horrifying act of violence, which it was. And then the statement said that the Rangers are looking for the league to, quote, suspend him indefinitely. Good. Honestly, Washington has already clinched a playoff spot. I was looking for the rest of the teams that already have as well to take a stand along with the Rangers for a couple reasons. One, I don't know, it's the morally correct thing to do. Two, it's going to protect their own players since this guy really seems to ramp up his derelict behavior in the playoffs. Three, because there is strength in numbers to put pressure on the league to make a change. And four, because Tom Wilson is the Capitals' fifth best point scorer and their fourth best goal scorer, despite having the team's most penalty minutes accrued by far. And that player, that good player, even great player, would be on the bench throughout the playoffs. So where are you, Golden Knights, Tampa Bay Lightning, Penguins, Bruins, Islanders, and more? Why don't you put some pressure on the league to fire George Paros? Because he clearly is incapable of doing his job. I'm totally behind the Rangers on this. And to suspend Tom Wilson indefinitely, I'd say pending the results of an independent mental evaluation of Wilson. Join the Rangers, you other team, you other playoff teams. I know the Rangers are not a playoff team, but join the Rangers when they say we view this as a dereliction of duty by NHL head of player safety Paros, and we believe he is unfit to continue in his current role. That's an end quote from the Rangers. Maybe Tom Wilson is better suited for a career in a boxing ring. Jake Paul, are you watching this? It's time you got your butt kicked. 
Oh, and guess what? That measly $5,000 fine was only for the infraction on Buchnevich, not the subsequent manhandling of Panarin. Arguably two of the Rangers' best players. Hmm. Panarin out for the season, which I know was only a few more games, but still. And then number two, the Rangers had to have known that the fine was coming, and that's really unfortunate and ironic that when they targeted the head of NHL's Department of Player Safety with words for the physical assault that occurred on the ice, they were punished much more severely. I mean, are we living in bizarro world? So now, if the league relieves Paros of his duties, it means the Rangers find a quarter of a million dollars and having two guys lost their jobs, we're right. And if the league doesn't relieve Paros of his duties, well, in my opinion, that's an ominous sign for the players taking the ice against Wilson. And number three, speaking of being relieved of their duties, the final piece of this Rangers saga was this. GM Jeff Gordon and President John Davidson were fired. Associate GM and former Rangers captain Chris Drury has stepped in to fill both roles. Widespread speculation about their firing ensued. Was it coincidence? Because they distanced themselves from the fire statement? Or is it because James Dolan felt that the team underachieved this season? Remember the letter? No, not the one that Jay Wow and Snooky wrote to Sammy. You know, the one about Club Bed and Ronnie. No, not that one. The one that went out from the Rangers front office to fans explaining the, I capitalize this, rebuild. It seems as though the Rangers were ahead of that timetable, in my opinion. I point to the drafting of Capo Caco, Alexi Lafreniere, Philip Cheadle, <clears throat> excuse me, and Keandre Miller. I also point to the trade and free and or free agent acquisitions of Adam Fox, Jacob Truba, or Temi Panarin. I mean, that's a good little squad they assembled in the very recent past. As far as the Rangers being a playoff team this season, I don't know if any level-headed fans really expected that to happen, especially during the season, once it got going. Maybe preseason, maybe. But certainly not after so many ups and downs that the team endured. The coaches got COVID. Panarin and that Russia situation. Injuries. Trying to find a suitable, stickable replacement for Hendrik Lundqvist, who had been in the same goal crease for the past 15 seasons. They never had to worry about it, really. All of that compounded with the fact that the Rangers literally have the youngest team in the league playing in one of the most difficult COVID realigned divisions in the entire league. This season, the Rangers average age is 25 years old, the youngest in the league. And that goes without saying most inexperienced, right? And the devils, by the way, they're the third youngest team in the league. So, I really don't know why this changing of the guard happened. I don't really don't know if anybody actually does besides James Dolan. And he said, quote, in order for the team to succeed in the manner our fans deserve, there needs to be a change in leadership. Chris is a very sought-after executive and a strong leader who has proven himself to be one of the top young minds in hockey. Which, to me, Jury responded in a confounding way to a question in his introductory press conference about where the organizational rebuild was as compared to where it is now. Drury said, I don't think it's anything too drastic. I think we do have a lot of good pieces. So if it's not too drastic, why the need for a sideways change and a lateral move? Lots of questions in Rangerland, everybody. But I have set the table for you guys tonight. It's time to eat your 3 a.m. snacks. 
I cannot wait to talk with you guys. 877-337-6666. I'm Danielle McCartan after midnight on The Fan in New York City. Welcome back to The Fan. To McCartan after midnight on The Fan, I should say. Hey, we just talked about the Rangers, right? And all the fallout we, this week because of Tom Wilson. But did you see the beginning of the game on Cinco de Mayo? If you, well, the 45-second video that was posted online, if you didn't see it, it has 1.8 million views on Twitter at last check. As soon as the puck was dropped to begin the game, gloves from both teams were dropped everywhere, all over the ice. And the players started beating the crap out of each other. Six fights in the first five minutes. Both teams combined for 100 penalty minutes. 100 in the first period. At one point, there were more capitals in the penalty box than there were on the ice. I mean, I could not get enough of it. I, I felt like I was watching a game of, you remember NHL hits on old school PlayStation? You know, the one where you were like literally on fire, like they, they ignited you on fire. And what was it? If, if you had a hat trick, they had the blue fire around you. Great game. Great game. Oh, and between, uh, and by the way, remember when uh, Tom Wilson left with an upper body injury after two minutes and 36 seconds in that game. Come on. And as far as the enforcer, Brandon Smith, I guess it is, he held his own in a fight versus Wilson. He said, I had no beef with anyone else on their team. I thought it should have been handled before the game, and it wasn't. I felt like it had to be on my shoulders, and I took it. Brandon Smith, I think you lost the fight, but you did all right. I mean, Tom Wilson is, is certainly a heavyweight. So let's go to your calls. 877-337-6666 is the number. At Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N is the is the Twitter handle. And Facebook. If you don't have Twitter, some of you guys don't. It's uh, Facebook.com slash Coach McCartan. There we go. Kicking us off tonight in the DJ LeMayhu. Brandon Nimmo spot, depends on which team you root for, is Kevin in Camden. You're up on the fan, Kevin. What's up this week? I'm good, Coach. How are you? I'm good. I want to talk about the Mets because... Lindor, I gotta, I gotta, you know, he's starting to heat up, as you said in the in the in the open. Mm-hmm. I mean, he is. Just, I love it because you said it last week that in April he starts out slow, but I think you said May he really had the great yes. month. Yes, I give you credit because you said it. Thank you. You said it. I, I will, <laughs> I will say that here to anybody who doesn't listen. Coach knows what she's talking about. That's why she's on this show. So anybody who doesn't tune in. You're missing out. They are. Because she knows her stuff. Study but. up, everybody. <laughs> oh, yeah. Do you know what, though, Kevin? The the defense of Francisco Lindor um, oh, it's, needs it's to catch phenomenal. up. Oh, it's been phenomenal. <laughs> oh, it's been phenomenal. Did you watch it tonight? I, I, I saw, I saw, I didn't, I did. Oh, Kevin. I did not see the game tonight. I was a little tired. I was trying to get some, I didn't get any sleep, though. <laughs> well, I, 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 I didn't the seventh much. inning, I tried to close my eyes. I didn't sleep either. But there was a throw that was like, Pete Alonso made like a ballerina catch, basically. I mean, yeah. Francisco Lindor's defense, I mean, it it it's not consistently good. That's something I wish he would pick up a little bit, but the hitting is definitely improving. Maybe yeah. it'll go hand in hand. Who knows? I will have to say this. The bullpen has been the biggest surprise for me. Me too. Oh, I mean, for, for me, I was really, and I, and I, can, I can barely watch him because he's Notoriously, every time I watch him, I can't. Yeah, I have to turn off. I have to turn off the TV. <laughs> you sound like my dad. Normally, no, it, it happens every time. I, <laughs> my dad and I don't like him. I mean, I, I could tell you a bunch of stories about familiar, but I don't got that much time. But the whole, the whole bullpen has been good. I mean, familiar 
got himself in a little jam and he got himself out of it. I know, yeah. DS has been great since he put that trumpet music. He's been awesome. You know, um, this, I was told yeah. by somebody on Twitter, by the way, that I should bring my trumpet in here and play that song. So You should. I mean, that's a, it's a very <laughs> catchy song. I listen, I listen to it on my phone every day. I can't help myself. It's a good it song. Pumped, it gets you pumped up. But now the whole team, I'm just, I, I'm not, I'm, I wasn't sure about this whole uh, that whole story about the rat. I don't, I don't even know what the detail is because I missed that part. Oh. But it's it's crazy. But no, I'm just proud that the Mets are winning. And, ho- and you know, I hope that they continue this, but I'm still, eh, I'm not too crazy about Rojas, but that's, I'm not going to complain too much. But I'm just, I'm just, and good luck, and today's with Jake, so mm-hmm. I hope that they win today. And you're going to the game. So. Yeah, I am, I am going to the game. I got a Jacob deGrom game. I've never been to City Field, so I would love the chance to go. Well, maybe one day. Especially to see him pitch. I've seen, I've seen Matt, I've seen everybody but Jake pitch a lot. Oh, you got to be. Yeah, I don't know if I've, I've seen good. Jacob DeGrom pitch either, actually. I don't know. i got to go back in my, my ticket history here. But, Kevin, as always, thanks for the call. Hey, thanks, appreciate coach. it. I appreciate thanks it. Thanks for the check-in. Um, yeah, so, you know, okay, I don't know if Lindor was actually charged with a, an error. But it was like, I mean, I thought he should have. It was a routine ground ball, glove-to-hand transfer, and the ball just went zoop, right out. And then, again, Familia, base is loaded, two outs, a full count on Christian Walker, who grounded out to Lindor. But first, the ball ate Lindor up. Then he throws a high, wide, into the base path throw to Alonzo at first base, who made a ballerina play, not only to save that errant throw, but to keep his toenails on the bag for the out. And I wrote, the run doesn't end up scoring. I wrote the word, lucky. So while Lindor's bat is heating up, finally, I told you it would. I told you it would in the month of May. Fielding, to me, um, you know, he's supposed to be a great defensive shortstop, right? The fielding, to me, is, uh, you know, you could make the case of, like, oh, which I have. It's a different league, different pitchers, you know, blah, blah, blah. And you guys know, which is all true, and it all factors into at the plate, but... The ball comes off the bat the same way as it does in the NL as the same way as it does in the AL. So there really is no real reason why there should be some defensive errors and defensive misplays on on the case of uh, Lindor. And Kevin, there wasn't a real rat. There wasn't a real rat. It was an actual argument, kerfuffle between Jeff McNeil and Francisco Lindor after Defensive alignments led to ambiguity on the field and not sure of whose ball it was. So that's, you know, twice in two games. So that's the point I'm trying to make there. But uh, Lindor told you the bat was going to heat up, and it sure is. Hopefully it continues at the stadium, uh, at at City Field, I should say, uh, later today. Paul in Floral Park, you're up on the fan. Oh, how are you, Danielle? I'm good, Paul. Uh, How are you? All right, good. Yeah, the, uh, uh, Gary Batman, what the heck? I don't know. How did, so, the, where's he going with this? I don't know. That's Tom Wilson, what the heck? Yeah. I mean, and, then, t- and, and it brings me back to the Dale Hunter incident with the, on Pierre Terzot. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's a great question. I think it's the one that everybody's wondering, Paul. I, I, I don't have an yeah. answer to it. I wish I did. Right, right, right. Yeah. A bummer, a bummer. Yeah, and then uh, the island just letting that rookie goaltender uh, <laughs> off the hook and it puked all over the third period on Monday. Yeah, yeah. Well, With that Michael Hauser guy. Yeah. 
I know. I know you're a big Islanders fan, and I was surprised uh, to see the word Rangers next to your name. I'll be honest with you <laughs> tonight. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. I would judge God. He's he looks lost, totally lost. Yeah, he does, point. doesn't he? Yeah. Oh, plug, plug in. Yeah. Yeah. We just got to keep keep plugging. You know, yeah. Paul. Thanks for the call there, and thanks for bringing up Aaron Judge too, because I think that um, it's time to drop him in the order. Is it not time to drop him in the order? I mean, he's a streaky hitter, that's for sure. I mean, I was sitting here last week. He was betting over the past, I guess it was 10 games we talked about, or was it five games? I can't remember for him specifically, but he was batting 471 the past X amount of games when I was sitting in this chair last week. And now it's not that. So I think it's time to drop him. I just, I don't like how like Aaron Boone is like kind of like afraid. And I know it's not him. I know it's him and his computers and everybody, but I just feel like the rigidity in the, in the, in the lineup, you know, like drop a guy. He's not hitting. Drop him. You know, I'm watching the, the on the TV uh, in the studios the Yes Network, and it's the bottom of the tenth inning. DJ LeMay, who's at the plate, Kyle Higashioka's at first. Three three tie. I wonder how this game ends. <laughs> Let's go to Ben in Queens. You're up on the fan, Ben. Morning, Coach. How are you? Um, first, uh, let, let's get right for the Mets fans. First mm. place, New York Mets. Mm. So that. That I didn't think I'd be saying that right now, but you know what? They're in first place. Um, for the Yanks, real quick, I said last week, how would they build upon those games? Mm-hmm. And offensively, uh, they've been plucky. I will say that. They've been plucky. They, they haven't died, but you haven't seen the consistency out of the bats. Right. And they took some swings against Scherzer today, where I was just, and you guys brought up Judge. I'm like, Dude, stop thinking home run against Scherzer. I know. Just put the bat on the ball. I know. What are you doing? You, you, you swinging against Scherzer and your head is leaving where your bat is. Yep. In other words, Torres too. Takes the eye out off the ball. Yeah. I mean, Torres, there was one swing he put on a ball. His helmet, like, like shook on his head. Like, what are you trying to do here, man? Go like, yo, first, first make contact. Right. Then we'll see about hitting home run. Mm-hmm. And and you know what? I'm going to end this with the Rangers since, you know, I I, I, I was living a, a charmed life. I had one of the best men in hockey in my front office overseeing things. Dolan was blissfully unaware. Yeah. I, this has the fingerprints of Glenn Sather all freaking over it. Because Glenn Sather ain't a part of, of what, what uh, Davidson was doing. Oh, Gortham has to go. Oh, okay. Hey, hey, uh, Davidson, you go and fire Gordon. Why do I have to fire Gordon? No, he's got to go. Why does he have to go? I'm sorry, I can't do that. Well, then you could go too. You know what? That's the sign of honor right there. Hmm. I know there's fans out there who see what the Rangers had, and they were thinking, let's make a big run. And I'm like, no, because we're building right. nice and slow. Right. You know, we just had a great draft. Now we got Chris Jury in the front office. No offense to Chris, but now you're going to be there leading for the expansion draft. Yeah. We got this free agency thing coming up. And because of Dolan's impatience, now every team is going to try to sucker us out of Every asset we got, because they now know because of Dolan and this freaking infantile act, 
that oh yeah we gotta we they gotta they gotta get get help they want to be a playoff team so yo we could take them for everything they got yeah that's it. that's the, uh, the 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 perils of the expansion draft you know uh, you can only protect so many players and it'll be interesting to see who the, who the Rangers feel like they should or have to or need to protect from that Seattle team and. Thanks for the time, Coach. Just need to vent that out. But leave it to Dolan to overshadow Wilson on this week. For the only <laughs> reason, the only reason is, okay, in an age where we're, we're talking about head safety mm-hmm. and head injuries and trying to protect the players more, this dude was swinging at unprotected heads on the ice. Yeah. He's, so he's so what Dolan did was essentially take the spotlight off of that yeah. and made us into team chaos. Yeah. Thanks, Coach. Yeah, Ben, I don't disagree with you there. Do not disagree with you on that one. And, uh, you know, lots to unpack with the Rangers, obviously. I mean, just, it's head-scratching. Let's just put it that way. The, the whole thing, the whole week has been head-scratching. And you know, clearly legends are born in the month of May. You know, Willie Mays, me. I'm just kidding. But I would love for the San Francisco Giants to throw me a birthday party. Have you ever or have you seen how they pulled out all of the stops for Willie Mays' 90th birthday? If not, I got you. Stay tuned through this very short message. Hey, what's going on? It's the Moose. Coming up Monday after Boomer and Geo at 10 a.m. It's Moose and Maggie right here on The Fan. Plenty of baseball to react to. Mets, Diamondbacks at City, and Yankees and Nats. Plus, we've got tons of basketball, too, as the season is almost coming to an end, and teams are jockeying for playoff position. We start at 10 on Sports Radio 1019 FM and on the Odyssey app. Mr. Nice Guy, that is not Tom Wilson. Tom Wilson is not Mr. Nice Guy. But, you guys, legends are born in May. Willie Mays. And me. I'm just kidding. So, Willie Mays, the live, the oldest living Hall of Famer, baseball that is, had quite the 90th birthday party at Oracle Park Friday night. The Giants pulled out all the stops. Next time you need a birthday plan, you know, birthday party plan, ask the, ask the uh, San Francisco Giants. First of all, he rode around the stadium. This is uh, Willie Mays. Rode around the stadium in a white and baby blue 1956 Oldsmobile. Before the first pitch, obviously to a standing ovation. Players from both teams stood at top of their respective dugouts to salute him. They played the song Say Hey, the Willie Mays song, you know. Video tributes they did, plural. They hung a banner behind his statue outside the stadium. And they put a little party hat on the statue, which I thought was pretty cute. My favorite part probably, though, the Giants cut a humongous logo of Mays across the grass in center field. I know they didn't cut it. They've like folded the grass, however they do it. I, I don't know. I, I, you know, there's, I could do a lot of things. One of them is, um, one of the things I can't do is like grow plants and especially grass. I know you're probably laughing and I just, I tried during the pandemic and I can't. So grass just confounds me, but they, I guess, cut a humongous logo of maize across the grass in center field where he used to play it, that was, like, so cool. Just Google it. It's it's all over the internet. And then I think Buster Posey summed it up best. He said, I think when you think of the name Willie Mays, it's almost like a mythological type of name. It has the same feeling as a Babe Ruth or a Lou Gehrig. And uh, Willie Mays, happy birthday, Willie Mays, who has celebrated his 90th birthday, clearly, 
in style out there in the Bay Area. Okay, let's go back to the calls, 877-337-6666. And if for some reason you keep getting a busy signal, at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N, you find me there. Let's go to Vernon in Manhattan. You're up on the fan, Vernon. Hey, Daniel, how you doing? I'm good, how are you? I'm doing good. First of all, I want to say to all the mothers out there today, happy Mother's Day. So I hope. (laughs) Are you having any children? Me? No. Yeah. I I am a big child. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Nothing wrong with that. No. All right. So here we go for your baseball quiz questions for today. All right. I'm ready. Okay. New York Mets. Bud Harrison got into a fight with this player, and as they fought and it uh, took him apart, the player went out in the outfield. Fans started throwing glass bottles at the time because they didn't have plastic bottles at this player, and batteries. Certain Mets fans had to go out there and talk to the fans because if they continued throwing things, the game would be forfeited. Who were they throwing things at? And who was the player that got into the fight with Bud Harrison? I think I know this one. Okay, go ahead. Pete Rose. You're right. You yeah. got it. You yes. got it. <laughs> yeah. <Whoa>. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's that's it's that's a pretty famous one, actually. Pretty famous fight. Yes. And the thing is when the fa- when the players came out to ask them to stop throwing things at uh-huh. Uh, Pete Rose, who was one of the players that was begging the Mets fans to stop throwing things at them. Do you remember which mm. famous player that was? No, I don't remember that part of it. Okay, it was Willie Mays, because at the time, he oh, was on the team. Oh, That's a nice little tie-in there, Vernon. I like that. <laughs> and this patient was the one who brought him in. So that's that's the whole story. Mm. Now, oh, cool. this, these three days, of February uh, the 7th, 8th, and 9th, which is uh, this weekend, they're giving out the um, Mrs. Met Wonder Woman bobblehead. Yep. Did you get Did you get yours yet? No, we're going tomorrow, or I guess I should say later today. Yeah, we'll be there. <laughs> okay, great, great. Now, there's another thing I want you to try, because I was talking about this on the game. They actually have um, a new... Burger at City Field. It's called the Peter Alonzo Burger. Are you yeah. going to try one? That I don't think I could fit. It's humongous. That thing is huge. <laughs> no way. Maybe my dad will be able to. Maybe I'll put him up to the challenge. But de- definitely not me. That's for sure. Well, 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 he could break you off a piece and you could try it. <laughs> yeah. So okay. it got different onions on there. Mm. All right, so let's go to the tunnel. Yeah. Remember that fight in the tunnel? What do you really think happened in the tunnel? What do you mean? They definitely got into it. They weren't playing patty cakes in the tunnel. Remember, they were talking about the rat and the raccoon. Did yeah. you believe it? I, for a second, honestly, Vernon, I did because I've seen New York City rats and they are huge <laughs> and they are confounding. For for a split second, I would say maybe uh-huh. a period of like 10 minutes, I really did yeah. believe that there was an animal in there, that they couldn't figure out what the animal was. I did. I did. Be okay, <laughs> okay, Daniel, I'm going to tell you the real story that happened in that tunnel. Oh, Are no. you ready? Vernon, were you there? Yeah. In the tunnel? <laughs> no, I wasn't there. Let <laughs> <laughs> me tell you what really happened in the tunnel. Tell us. In the tunnel, there was a fight between a mongoose <laughs> and another animal, which yeah. was a badger. Uh-huh. The badger 
and the Black Mongols were fighting. They had a parrot as a referee. The parrot as a referee, the Mongols actually took a dive. And that was a problem because the rat and the raccoon had bets on the fight. And the rat felt, and the uh, 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 raccoon felt that the rat threw the fight. So the rat and the mongoose and a rat and a skunk started fighting. The skunk came in and it cleared everyone up. It sounds like a Royal That's Rumble, the, Vernon. Yeah, the Royal Rumble. Now, <laughs> Daniel, if you believe that, I'm going to sell you the Brooklyn Bridge today. If you buy it before right. 5 a.m., I'll throw in the Manhattan Bridge for free. Whoa, okay. Now, now, if you believe that story, let me know. But God bless you. And have a nice day. <laughs> you too, Vernon. You know, I thought where he was going with that was that there was going to be a fight between a polar bear and a flying squirrel. Now, that would have been interesting. Obviously, that would be uh, Pete Alonzo, the polar bear, and the flying squirrel, Jack McNeil. But, you know, that's not what happened. <laughs> Obviously, what happened was they had a difference of opinion um, that they, to their credit, took inside the tunnel away from any camera. You saw SNY trying to trying to get an angle from 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 left field they were trying to get the angle into the dugout, but they couldn't because it was it's you have to go down steps, right? Um so, you know, to their credit, and then guess what? Lindor hits a home run on what was that, Friday night. McNeil hits a home run on Saturday night, and they're off to the races. So you know what? Sometimes it's not I'm not it's it's not a bad thing. It's just it's not. It's really not when you, when you, and especially, listen, I coached and I did, I coach. And when, uh, let's just say volleyball starts August, September, October, and into November, that's like four months. And, you know, I'm just with the kids after school and they're with each other after school hours. So two to three hours after school every day and on Saturdays. So six days a week, sometimes Sundays. All right. But man, there's a point in the season where you, I just want to like, I don't want to say kill him because you can't say that, but we get on each other's nerves, you know, and, and they get on each other's nerves. I'm sure I get on their nerves and it's reciprocal. So there's just a breaking point. Every single season it happens. And that's just what you watched or witnessed or heard about, I should say, with the New York Mets. The one thing I wish that they didn't do was turn it into this whole thing. The, the It was cringeworthy worthy to watch uh, Lindor you know, I just didn't like I didn't like it. I mean, we're New Yorkers. Welcome to New York, Lindor. Get the story straight. I'm sure that was his idea. I don't see Jeff McNeil being, you know, that guy to create that whole entire story. He just went along with it. And Lindor, welcome to New York. You know, New Yorkers like you to be upfront, straightforward, and just explain what happened. Because now it's like this whole story. You're, I'm sure everybody here is going to be still talking about it on Monday. Just put it to bed. Explain what happened. We don't need to know all the details. But explain what happened. And I would have liked them to do the Zoom together, honestly, to you know, kind of further solidify that they are together. But you did see Lindor crashed uh, McNeil's pr- uh, press conference, uh, I guess, after the game, a uh, certain amount of hours ago, four or five hours ago. After the Saturday night game, Lindor came in, put his arm around him, and, and told everybody that it's a, a raccoon now. Okay, now you're really overplaying the joke, Lindor. Just... Forget about it. Just let it go. Let it go. Okay. In the order that you guys called always, as always, Kevin in Copeg, you are up on the fan. What's up, Danielle? What's up, Kevin? 
I, I think it was about the double play combo because they, they really, they're really having a tough time turning two. Well, that's what happens. I mean, that's what happens when you have two new guys working with each other. And over time, the chemistry will build and they're going to be fine. But yeah, yeah I, that's exactly where, where it stemmed from, for sure. And not to mention the fact that they are both having some slow starts offensively. And, and that's what happens. But they got each other going, clearly. So hopefully that momentum carries throughout the week. Well, Lori laughed at me, but I said Miguel Andujar for J.D. Davis. I'm serious about that. Who says no, in your opinion? I think, uh, I don't know, I think that right now J.D. Davis was hitting really good, but they both have defensive issues. I just think Andujar would be a great, great ad for the Mets. I'd really get the, and the Yankee fans would go crazy. Yeah, I, you know, I, I, Kevin, I'm not going to laugh at you for that. I, I don't, I don't mind that trade, but I, don't, I think, uh, I think the Mets would say no. Honestly, I think uh, M- Miguel Andujar is a little bit unproven right now. I think maybe if he gets some more reps at the MLB level, just to see where he, you know, everybody can see where he's at, you know, at the MLB level, I wouldn't laugh at you for that. No. But I mean, you've had your problems with JD Davis. I, I really just don't like him as a player. I know he's got off to a hot start and a limited amount of a limited amount of bats, but. I just, I just don't see him. I, I just, I don't really feel that he's reliable. Yeah, I mean, I think a bigger, bigger defensive. First of all, JD Davis is a great guy. That's first as, a, as a, as a man, as a, as a human being. But, um, you know, as, as a third baseman defensively, there's some questions. But a bigger question for me is Dom Smith in left field. That, I mean, that, I mean, the Mets are just biding time until the DH eventually comes to the NL, right? I mean, they have to be. If not, he's got to go. I mean, but you know. That's you know a, that's saw, a, saw that's Dom a conversation Smith, for another uh, day. Dom Smith throwing from left field with a left hand arm. I mean, I'm just a little confused by that. Wouldn't it be better off if he was in right field throwing with throwing with the left hand? Yeah, but Kevin, come on, they're not they're not moving Conforto out of right field. Did you see the catch, you guys? Listen, I've called out Conforto on a few times here. You know, he ha- he did not start the season like a guy. Thanks for the call, Kevin. He did not um, start the season like a guy who was playing for a really huge contract that starts with the number two possibly or even three dare i say it and ends with the word million however his defense has picked up i mean catch he made did you guys see it maybe you heard it on the radio but he there was a ball that was a a pop fly listen to me a pop fly no there's a fly ball behind obviously over the first baseman's head he was never getting to it and he came charging in from right field conforto that is and he you know, that that short wall over there in right field, that's dangerous. You know, at a full sprint, standing up, that's a little dangerous. It's, it's you know, to navigate around. So he, he made a sliding catch, stopped himself, he played it perfectly. I mean, there's – listen, the Mets are going to get hot. It's starting to happen. You're going to see it. There's been some spark. That's, that fight in the dugout, in, in, the, in the tunnel to the clubhouse there at City Field – we are going to be looking back at that as as the catalyst for a really hot Mets May. Mark my words. Write it down. We'll come back to this. Write it down. I'm sure of it. All these guys are kind of just getting together, but they're putting it together finally, these Mets. And, I mean, Familia, Kevin said it before, he's hard to watch sometimes. And he just looked dominant, absolutely dominant on the mound. Saturday in Saturday night's game that is, and on the on the TV, in the in uh, in the in the studio right here we've got a three three tie Washington Yankees Glaber Torres at bat, bases loaded bottom of the eleventh DJ LeMay who takes a lead off third base, 
Five infielders, by the way, that was kind of weird, right? Five infielders and two outfielders. Here's the pitch. Swung on. Strike. A curveball. 85-mile-an-hour strike. Gleyber Torres is about to hit the game winner, everybody. What a game that was. Yankees got absolutely dominated by Max Scherzer. Dominated. 14 strikeouts dominated. And they still ended up winning the game. This, again, could be, potentially be, well, there's the dribbler. This could potentially be the, the, the ignition that the Yankees needed to. First, it was beaten up on the Orioles. Then it was beaten up on the Tigers. And, uh, you know, and then it was the Astros, right? Then they lost, you know, the emotional high of all that, all the Astros games. Clearly took a toll Friday night. They got killed at the stadium. Here they are walking it off. Glaber Torres getting some uh, some props from his teammates. And he told Meredith Morocco. Welcome back to the fam. This is Daniel McCartan. This is McCartan after midnight on this Mother's Day. And ironically, on this Mother's Day Sunday, we will be going to City Field later today. The the fam, all four of us, will be going to City Field for the con- second consecutive week of Dad's birthday. So, <laughs> um, yeah, my mom's not too psyched, but uh, you know she doesn't really. She's not a huge baseball fan. Um, she's gonna kill me, but she just learned that uh, the, last week that CC Sabathia retired. So, you know what I'm trying to say. But yeah, she's a good sport. She comes along with us. Uh, I might be getting a text any second now, but. Here's the story. We bought my dad Mets tickets. It wasn't supposed to be this year. We bought him Mets tickets for his birthday, November of 2019, for his May 2020 birthday. And, of course, obviously there's no fans in the stands, so we elected to keep the money in with the Mets and to, I guess, reinvest it into the 2021 season. Not so easy. The tickets were in my ballpark app because there's no tickets anymore. It's in the app up until, like, like a week ago. When they mysteriously disappeared after many phone calls with the ticket office of the team, like, who has time for that? The story is this. Our tickets were cleared out because of these capacity limits at the stadium, which I get, but it, it doesn't exactly make sense to me since we've had the tickets theoretically since November of 2019. It's May 2021. Shouldn't we have already been counted in that capacity limit? If we needed to move seats due to social distancing, should we have been contacted directly? Contacted directly? Instead of just clearing the tickets altogether? I mean, I just didn't think that was right. You know what I'm saying? I don't know if this happens with the Yankees. You know, I didn't have this experience with the Yankees. We had the Mets tickets. I, you know, the whole thing. Just It was just extremely frustrating. So, in the end of all this, though, We had to settle for farther away seats than we originally had. But they did throw in. Oh, I hope my dad's not listening. I was told to keep this a surprise. Um, But I'll let you guys in on the surprise. Maybe he's sleeping. They did throw in a happy birthday scoreboard message for him. So that's the surprise. I hope he's not listening. So in conclusion, the four of us will be at City Field later today for the 1 p.m. game. I don't know what time we're getting there. Depends on, guess, what time I wake up, what time they tell me to set my alarm for. But I've got my black Mike Piazza jersey all ready to go. 
And uh, maybe I'll see some of you guys there. Who knows? I don't know. See what happens. But it's a DeGrom day. We were like, earlier in the week, we were like, oh, no, is this going to be a DeGrom day? And it is. So we get to see the most dominant pitcher in all of baseball take the mound uh, a little bit later today, less than uh, 12 hours away. I'm excited. I'm just excited just to get back to see baseball in New York. I went to baseball in Cincinnati. Now it's time to get back to baseball in New York. And also, I did buy myself Yankee tickets. I'm going to the Yankee game, too. Later in the month, uh, 25th or 6th, it's a Wednesday night, whatever whatever that game is. Uh, but yeah, so I'll talk about that when it gets closer. But for right now, it's all Mets right now. 877-337-6666 is the number to get aboard. Let's go in the order that you guys called. Terry in Aminia, you're up on the fan. Buona mattina, imperatrice. Grazie, buona mattina. Two things. One. First of all, Dolan. Words mean what we want them to. Rangers fans now are in deep Dolan. This man is so destructive. It really is sad. The impatience. Yeah. It's words fail me, and I'm not going to waste the time. Yeah. I do want to talk about the rat. (laughs) What rat? You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> the incident in the tunnel. Yeah, what happened? Were you if there? they had wanted to use that image, it should have been the two of them arguing over where the rats are bigger, Puerto Rico or New York City. I don't know how much in the country you live. I live in a rural area. I know all about raccoons. Even when my mother was living in Greenwich, Connecticut, we had them in the yard. All right, Terry, come on. We'll get to it. What are we doing here? <laughs> We're getting a, a well, lesson pre- on, uh, on, on animals here. I'm just going to make the observation that whoever it was who brought in the opossum clearly knows nothing about animals, particularly opossums. What those two guys should have done is simply said, we were resolving a personal issue right. in the tunnel. Mm-hmm. We will not comment on it, mm-hmm. and management should have backed them up. Yep, it would have been a non-starter, and we wouldn't be talking about it. You're right. I totally agree with here, you. Here ended the sermon. You stay well. Happy birthday to your <laughs> father. Happy Mother's Day to your mother. Thanks, Terry, and everybody else out there who has a mom. Thanks. Take care, my dear. Talk to you next week. All right. Bye. Yeah. You know, that's the thing. Like I said in the open, I mean, no one cares. You know, this is not welcome to New York. I mean, this is in Cleveland. Like, this is not funny. New Yorkers like not to be like, I don't want to say lied to because it wasn't really like a lie, although it kind of was. Just be upfront, straightforward. This is what happened. You don't need to know the details because it happened, you know, in, uh, in the clubhouse between two players. But we did get into a disagreement. This is what happened. And again, here we are still talking about this. And it's no one's fault, but here we are still talking about this when the Mets have put together two really good victories over the past two nights. And that one Friday night, that that poor guy, the the third-string catcher, no one's even talking about him because everybody's talking about raccoons and rats and possums. Come on. Game-winning hit. The guy doesn't even get his name mentioned. I said it. I said it in the open. All right. In the order that you guys called, 
excuse me, 877-337-6666. Peter in Brooklyn, you're up on the fan, Peter. Hi, Coach. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Good, good. Thank you. Uh, you set the table as all. He's awesome. <laughs> Thanks. I uh, just want to see, hopefully, WFAN uh, execs are listening. Lakata's got to go. We need a coach. Oh, no. Oh, no. Let's, let's not go that far, but hopefully someone's listening for sure. We'll see. No, we need more of a coach. We Thanks. More of a coach. Appreciate that. Um, I wanted to talk honestly about Tom Wilson and, uh, and just say, you know what? It's unfortunate. I wish he would come down to Brooklyn, one of our bars over here, <laughs> and we can actually show him uh, maybe what Panarin and Butchnevich uh, will have his, will have their backs. Oh, boy. Unfortunate. It, yeah, it was it was. Terrible to see that. Yeah, I mean, but, um, but it's a pattern of behavior, and I don't know why the league isn't stepping in. I mean, they they seem to be almost like protecting him, and I I can't figure out why. Yeah, I, I, it was just really bad. I'm glad that they stepped up, and uh, what was it, six fights in the first five minutes? Yeah, five fights. Awesome, fight. right? <laughs> yeah, that that definitely uh, was good. And um, as far maybe they needed uh, Lindor and McNeil to start a fight with. Well, maybe that would have. Uh, <laughs> Been good as well, right? I don't know, but I... you were right, coach. You said actually when Door was start up in May, and mm-hmm. uh, you know what? He's, he's starting to come around. So mm-hmm. hopefully, if they get hot, you know they they've been in second place now, game out, and none of them really have gone on a tear. So hopefully, uh, you know this will uh, catapult them and. I guess they'll win some games. That's what I'm saying, Peter. That's what I'm saying. And thanks for pick, picking up the phone and making the call there, Peter. That's what I'm saying. I told you. I told you. May is Lindor's month. You're going to see it. I know it's a little, you know, it's what? May, what is it? The ninth now? Okay. He's in like a little week later. But okay. That's because he switched leagues and everything. I'm telling you. He's going to have a big week. Next week, you guys are going to talk to me like, you were right. You're still right. Lindor, I, I totally believe in that. Like as a hitter, as a coach, like, like, like th- I, I was thinking about this too before when I couldn't sleep. I was like, you know what? When DJ LeMay who hit that home run, I forget who was pitching, but he had some great numbers against him. I always think of like whether it's the ballpark or the pitcher that you're facing. Like, yeah, you have that thought in your mind. Like, yeah, I'm going to own this pitcher today, or oh, this pitcher always owns me. Like that sucks, you know. Or oh, I'm a really good hitter at home or, oh, I'm a, I'm a really good hitter at, at away ballparks, at, at this particular ballpark. It also factors in, yeah, I'm a really good hitter in the month of May. Yeah, I always have a slow start. But once May comes around, I heat up. I'm telling you, for Lindor, that's the deal. Alex in White Plains, you're up on the fan. Hey, a first-time caller. Awesome. Hey, Welcome to the show, Alex. Yeah, I, I heard your uh, your mana log uh, log earlier about the about the Rangers, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, I, I was thinking about the last couple of days myself about it, and you know, why Dolan made the change when he did, and, and and I was thinking part of it was, you know, if you look at some of the teams that were competing for cups the last couple of years, the Lightning, mm-hmm. uh, the Blues, and uh, even a team like the Toronto Maple Leafs, that Golden had a lot of the Golden Knights, correct? A lot of star players, but the Rangers were missing grip. They was they just they they had a lot of stupid Panarin. They had their, you know, they had them, the young kids, Kako and Lafriere and the other guys. But they're just there was just some the last couple of times they played the Islanders. I don't know if you, I don't know if you remember. They got manhandled pretty easily, and they're just missing something. They they need some stronger core players to support those superstars, especially if you're going to have a long run in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Um, they get shut down with these bigger, stronger, physical players. And yeah. I love the Rangers. They got a lot of talent on that team. But if they're going to take that next step to that next level, and I don't, I don't know. I'm 
guessing what Dolan was thinking, but maybe he thought the Drury was the guy that could probably get him to the next level. You know, younger, younger guy, younger thinking, and bringing some grit to support the team because I think they're missing something if they're going to make that next. Uh, Next yeah. step. I don't know how you feel about that, but I, being honest, that's how I really feel. Yeah, no, no, I appreciate that. And you know what? That's a good point you bring up, Alex. I mean, when you look at the Rangers, there, I guess more of a, a, a finesse. The word, as you were talking, Alex, came to my mind was finesse, like a finesse team, right? Yeah, they are. They are missing that enforcer. They, they are. And Tom Wilson brought it out in them. So maybe, maybe this was a good thing, you know, maybe to have happened, to, just to, to bring that to the forefront. But again, remember, the Rangers, the word I wrote down as you were talking, I actually wrote the, scribbled this down in my notes, rebuild, right? So the Rangers are in a rebuild. And in a rebuild over a certain number of years, you add pieces that make you a more a complete team. So if that's an enforcer, which it should be, that, that the Rangers need a big presence in, in, the, in the lineup, in the roster, then you know what? Then they go out and get one. That that's the beauty of it. So, um, sure, maybe we can talk once the season ends who that could possibly be. Um, but for right now, Brand, Brandon Smith he he stepped up. He held his own. He did hold hold his own against Tom Wilson, who is a heavyweight fighter. Let's just be honest. Let's just put it out there. Um, yeah. So it, like, again, it's a rebuild, and that would be probably a piece that they're going to have to add to that. And I I also would be interested to see who they're protecting from the. Uh, from the expansion draft. And if that Seattle team is going to be any good, because if you remember the Golden Knights, that first season, that 2017 season, I have friends out there. We went to the game. They they went to what right, that first season. They went to the Stanley Cup Finals, wasn't it? I mean, the atmosphere out there to go to a hockey game. I mean, I hate to say it, but it's it's second to none. It, it was a party from the minute we walked to the door. Not even from the minute we walked to the they have like an outdoor uh, little area. Right outside the uh, the Park MGM, man, that's where the party started. It was so fun. Let's go, Carlo in Kings Park. You're up on the fan. Good morning, Danielle. How are you, Carlo? Good, good. Happy Mother's Day to all the mothers. That's right. Um, uh, definitely talk about some Yanks and some Jets. Mm-hmm. To say that was a gutty win would be an understatement. <laughs> With Scherzer dealing, that was an understatement too. My yeah. God, I I just couldn't believe the way the Yankees. Talk about grit. Boy, the Yankees showed some grit there yesterday. That's for sure. Big time. Big time. And I, and you know what? And that goes in like the long run. That's like a game that could, they could fall back on and say, remember when we got dominated by Scherzer? We can do this. You know, that's the kind of talk in the dugout, you know? Absolutely. I don't know about you, Danielle, but I loathe, absolutely loathe that second base runner after the ninth inning. I can't stand it. I can't stand it. I, I'm an old school person. I mm. can't stand it. You earn your way on. You, you're giving an advantage to a to a team that doesn't. It's not right. It just isn't right. But I'm glad they won. Believe me, I'm glad they won. Mm. But oh, I just oh. Uh, Carla, think of it, it like this. Okay, yes. so I'm I'm old school too. You know that. You know, mostly old school. I think I'm a little bit more of a hybrid. But anyway, but 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 with the runner on second mm-hmm. and the batter at the plate. They need to, like you saw Gleyber Torres do, you need to learn how to go the other way. You need to learn how to bunt. You need to learn how to implement all of those, quote-unquote, old-school tactics at the plate in order to move that runner. And I think Put the ball in play. Right. That's what I'm saying. So by by having that runner on second, it kind of forces the batter to put the runner in play. I, I don't mind the rule. I'll be honest. I don't mind the rule. Well, I like, I like when, a, I like when a, uh, a batter earns his way on. 
that's just me. I don't know, but I mean, it's just like a, it's kind of like a gimmick. But you know what? It is what it is. Yankees won. Win today. Take the series. Go, man. Go, uh, go to Tampa. Take two out of three, and then go from there. I mean, please. Sounds please, like a plan. Win. <laughs> they have to be able to beat. They have to be able to beat Tampa because, let's face it, Tampa has owned the Yankees. Yep. Yep, and believe me, Carlo. I have a and thanks for the call there. Believe me, I know that Tampa has owned the Yankees because I have a cousin uh, in Tampa who lets me know every single time. He sends me pictures of the you know the TV, the score in the corner of the TV. Yep, I know, I know. And we are having a uh, a studio malfunction. I did not do this. <laughs> I didn't do this in here. We have the banner, the Carton and Roberts banners. They are falling off the walls. The tape is not strong enough. I didn't do it. I can't reach it to put it back up. So just let's get that <laughs> documented here. And by the way, you guys, the NFL is set to release schedules for all its teams this upcoming week. And, you know, no matter the date, we're going to see Tom Brady back in Foxborough for the first time since leaving the Patriots in that game. He will try to become. Here's a little trivia question for you guys if you want to get aboard. 877-337-6666. In the game where Tom Brady returns to Foxborough and plays the Patriots, he will try to become the fourth member of an exclusive club of quarterbacks to beat all 32 teams. Who are the other three quarterbacks who have beaten all 32 football teams, NFL teams? Your guesses. And if I could assign a primetime game for each of our Giants and our Jets, which would they be? Coming up after the break. It's a beautiful day. It's a grom, degrom day, degromination day at City Field. I'm expecting a quick game. He's going to mow down a bunch of hitters. And the Mets are not going to score a lot of runs. So it's going to be a quick game, I think, which would be good because I'm going to be a little bit tired. So I just threw out a question for you guys. All, upcoming this week is... Uh, the uh, NFL schedule reveal. And again, we've got, you, you don't want to go anywhere because 440 Cynthia Freeland's coming up. And let me tell you what a great guest she is. But before we get there, I can figure we'd talk a little bit of football. By the way, it's Jets camp. Jets rookie camp has opened Friday, Saturday, and I believe Sunday as well. The Giants are uh, May 14th, 15th, and 16th, just so you know. So if you guys want to make a guess, you want to get in before Cynthia Freeland, 877-337-6666 is the number. I also put it on Twitter, at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N. Oh, we have a guesser. So the question is, Tom Brady, when he goes back to Foxborough to take on the Patriots, he is looking to become the fourth member of an exclusive club of quarterbacks to beat all 32 teams. Who are the other three We've got a guest from Mike Erin on Twitter. He says, Hi, Coach McGarren. Great show. Answer to your question. The three quarterbacks to beat all 32 teams. Breeze, Favre, and Peyton Manning. You are correct, Mike. And potentially Tom Brady. Good job. I don't have anything to give you. I wish I did. Maybe one day I will. But, but good guesses. Excellent job. Good job. So as we mentioned last week, on Wednesday, May 12th, 8 p.m., it's like this whole primetime thing, right? The NFL is going to reveal all the team schedules. We have a list of each of our team's home and away opponents already. So which games are you looking forward to? And will our Jets and will our Giants have any primetime games? If the, if I could pick one for the Jets, it's going to be this. I think 
especially if it ends up being early on in the season, which I would not be surprised if it is. I think you're going to see the Jaguars at the Jets in primetime. Think about the storylines. The worst two teams in the entire league last season have drafted their savior quarterbacks at number one overall and number two overall in this most recent draft. Both teams obviously have new quarterbacks, but they both have brand new coaches in Robert Sala and Urban Meyer as well. Both of those guys who have, they've never coached a game in the NFL as a head coach. So I think people around the league, I think, would be interested in, in these storylines and in seeing where the, how these two teams square off against each other. The Jets with two new savior, I mean, the Jets and the Jaguars with two new savior quarterbacks and the Jets and the Jaguars with two new head coaches who have never coached a game in the NFL before. I think that would be, I think people in the league would be interested to watch that. So that's why I think if the Jets are going to get one primetime game, I think it's, I think it's going to be that game. And for the Giants, I think that one or both, depending on the calendar dates of the Giants-Cowboys games, are going to find their way to primetime. Ideally, I would say in, in the first matchup, you, you'd want to watch the return from the season-ending injuries of the superstars on both teams, Saquon Barkley, Dak Prescott. But honestly, if I, if I had to pick between the two, I would actually want or be more intrigued in a primetime late season matchup between the both of them because they're both going to be theoretically at full strength vying against each other for that playoff spot. Uh, this is obviously a classic rivalry that I can never say that word R- rivalry <laughs> rivalry. Uh, it's obviously a classic. I, I just think that it would capture the attention of football fans all around the league, especially if it's like, you know, playoffs on the line. And I, I do have two games that are uh, circled on my calendar. The one, as we mentioned, is Tom Brady's return to New England. Just he's going to have an extra piece of hardware in the form of an additional Super Bowl ring, all in a Bucks uniform. And again, if he beats his former team, he will be the only quarterback to beat all 32 teams, joining Drew Brees, Peyton Manning, and Brett Favre. And I'm getting a ton of tweets now. You guys are telling me it's an easy question. Duh. I'm just trying to get you guys to call in. All right, Jeremiah O'Grady. He has the answer. See, this is what happens in my class. If if someone answers the question after somebody has already given the answer, it means you're not paying attention. Jeremiah, come on. But he says probably Peyton Manning, Drew Brees, and he can't take a third. <laughs> and at John Launch says, great question. Obviously, they must have played for multiple teams and have – this is right. This is the thought process. Obviously, they have must have played for multiple teams and have many seasons under their belts. I'm going to guess Peyton Manning, Brett Favre, and Drew Brees. You got it. And Jordan Forever – says Rogers, Manning, and Roethlisberger. Without Google, though. I appreciate you without Google. Because Kevin Gates has a Google screenshot. Um, he sent that. He said, it's an easy Google search. All right, whatever. Whatever. But I'm, I'm curious to see how fans in Foxborough are going to react. Are they going to boo? Are they going to cheer? And will we finally have an answer to this nagging question of who needed who more, Belichick or Brady? And also another wrinkle, depending on where in the season this matchup's going to be, I hope it's later on in the season, but will we see Tom Brady versus, I guess it is, his potential long-term successor in Mac Jones? I think so. I I told you, I think by week six, Mac Jones is going to be the starter. I think Cam Newton is going to be phased out by week six. 
And uh, if if the game if is scheduled after week six, then then you're going to see it. And then the other game I have circled on my calendar is, as you guys know, if you're a listener to the show, you know that before the season's last season started, I picked the Tampa Bay Bucks to win the Super Bowl, right? But I, I think on that same night, I bet the Buffalo Bills to win the AFC Championship. And and that night being uh, St. Patrick's Day in March, March 17th, I bet the Bucks to win the Super Bowl and the Bills to win the AFC Championship. I mean, the Bills got there, but they didn't win it. Because they ran into the Kansas City Chiefs. So I would like to see two things in this game. The Bills-Chiefs game. A, the progression of Josh Allen in yet another season with another season under his belt. And B, with Todd Bowles' blueprint out there on how to beat the Chiefs. Guess what? The Bills did. I paid attention. The Bills drafted two defensive ends with their first two picks in this draft. And they got two good ones. Greg Rousseau and Boogie Basham. I'd like to see what they can do because, again... The Todd Bowles blueprint on how to beat the Chiefs is out there. So let's go to you guys. Uh, which which games would you add to the list? Which games are you hyped about? Which games are you most interested in? I got a tweet from Kevin Gates. He says, Daniel, Kevin, Danielle is my name. But do you think the Giants are a 9-10 nine, nine and ten win team next year? Or, oh, okay, 9 or 10 win team. Uh, um, I think the over-under on them is 7 Maybe eight. I don't think nine, ten. I say eight. Okay, so let's go to your calls. 877-337-6666 is the number. Uh, we've got Cynthia Freeland coming up in about ten minutes. Marty in Westchester, you're up on the fan. Yes, good morning, Danielle. Um, uh, big giant fan, I'm fine. Thank you. Uh, the two, there were two games that I would have circled on my schedule. Tell me. I think it's pretty obvious. After what came down last Sunday night of the football season with the mm-hmm. Eagles and then I'm jumping ahead of the Giants last week in the draft two games against the Eagles this year that's what I'm pumped up yeah, about good one good point oh oh, that, yeah, oh, oh those are the two. Oh, I, th- I was waiting for the, the other the other team okay those are the two games okay okay, okay. Eagles I got yeah, you. Yeah, the yeah. Eagles both games home yeah. and away no question yeah and you know what you know what though I think Marty if you're a Giant fan I think the Eagles jumping up and getting Smith ahead of the Giants I think it was a blessing in disguise honestly he wasn't I mean, he, he was in the top tier, my my top three receivers, but he was the third out of three. So, mm-hmm. you know, I think it was a blessing in disguise, I'm going to be honest with you, really. I, I don't know if Smith is going to, you know, 170 pounds. I mean, he's going to get pushed right off the line of scrimmage. Boom, knocked off his route. Yeah, that's true. I think mainly what happened on uh, uh, Week 17 yeah, night game. I'm with you on Eagles, that. Uh, you know, Eagles lost that game on purpose. Oh. Plus, you know, the Eagles have dominated the Giants last uh, eight nine years, except for the. Um, I mean, the Giants finally broke through. They beat the Eagles uh, in their home game late in the year. Uh, but I think it's, it's time for the Giants to turn that rivalry around and start winning some games against this team. I know, right? And it seems like they they can never beat the Eagles. It was the Ingram drop. Remember earlier in the season? Yeah, some tough losses too along the way. Yep. Yep, and the Eagles couldn't even throw the game the right way without anybody knowing. So, yeah, you're right. You're right about that. Do you think it'd be prime time though? I don't know if it would be prime time games. I'm not sure. Uh, we'll have to find out. I guess what on Wednesday night uh, yeah. where they place. Uh, they always seem to uh, schedule the Giants against the Cowboys the first week of the season um, more often than not. So we'll yeah. see what happens. Yeah. Well, we'll see, Marty. And thanks for the call there. Yeah, I'm going to be tuned in. That's for sure. I'll have my popcorn ready or maybe my ice cream. But um, you know, it's Jets. 
Jets minicamp was this weekend and is this weekend, and the Giants minicamp is next weekend, so we can talk about it then. But, you know, just some impressions on, on Zach Wilson. You guys know I, I was a Darnold fan. It is the Zach Wilson era. And I, I'm I'm open to giving him a chance, you know? So, I don't know. I just think that I wrote down as I'm watching the press conference with him, I wrote down, it's not what he's saying, but it's like how he's saying it. He sounded very articulate. He sounded very smart. And he's also saying good stuff. But you could say the stuff all you want, right? But he's also doing good stuff too. I mean, he's already learning the playbook. And he's doing it with his teammates. He's got a huge fan in Elijah is Elijah Moore, who the Jets drafted as well this year. Elijah Moore with the 34th overall pick it sounds like they're studying together which is like kind of cool that's building chemistry right from the right from the get-go i like it and and elijah moore told you as much he said we've been in contact almost every day we've both been very busy trying to learn the playbook we've wasted no time and i'm going to do all i can do to make him look good that's all you want from your wide receivers to make you look good elijah moore coming out of this draft I think he was one of the biggest steals of, of the draft, to be honest with you. And he's got a huge catch radius. So to make Zach Wilson look good, I don't know if it's going to be that hard for Elijah Moore. And, um, you know, Robert Sala, I, I was like 80% sold on Robert Sala, right? I like what he had to say. He, he Two things. Two things I liked from this weekend. Number one, Friday. He did the seven-on-seven drills without the media watching. And then after the fact, he said he wasn't trying to hide Zach Wilson, but he wanted to give him some time to learn in a low-pressure environment. I think that makes total sense. I think it's a good move by the new, brand-new head coach to the league. I like it. And I also like this philosophy, too. He said there's football 101 coaching, football 301 coaching, and football 501 coaching. And we have to be able to introduce our scheme, show them the techniques and the fundamentals, and get them to the point where they understand the overall scope of football. So I kind of like that, the progression. It's not just, let's just throw the playbook at them. Let's just see what fits. All right, let's go to Juan in the Bronx. You're up on the fan. <clears throat> Hi, Danielle. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Not too bad. Not too bad. Great show. Thank you. Great. Yeah, I uh, I heard you mention um, about Tom Brady, mm-hmm. and lately a lot has been made about him upgrading from a two million dollar to a six million dollar yacht, and <laughs> and I say Tom Brady would own an aircraft carrier if it wasn't for all that money he has bypassed throughout the years, so that his Teams can get better players. What do you think? Yes, Juan, that's a great point. Excellent point there. Yes, Tom Brady has been, you know, pushing, taking pay cuts, pushing money around. Yes, I agree with you. He's made enough, and and quite honestly, his wife is worth more than he is. Actually, Giselle Giselle Bunchin is how you say her last name, the model. She's worth more than him. So. She's the real star behind all of this, you guys. She is allowing him to be able to take those pay cuts and build around him. But that is a point that goes overlooked sometimes with, with Tom Brady. Yes, yes, that was a great point you just made there, Juan. 
And we've got Cynthia Freeland coming up next. But one thing out of Jets Camp 2, Robert Sala says that Joe Douglas and Marcus May's agent are working, this is a quote from him, working relentlessly to get a new long-term contract done. And Robert Sala said, hopefully it's done soon. So you might see that coming out this week, that the Jets and Marcus May have agreed to a long-term deal, which is definitely the right move, for sure. All right, so I hope you guys stay locked. we got Cynthia Freeland, NFL Network data analyst, data scientist, coming up next. And she's going to give us her opinion on how the, our Jets and our Giants did in this 2021 draft. Welcome back to McCartney After Midnight here in the fan in New York City. And back by popular demand is NFL Network's analytics expert, the Cynthia Freeland. Welcome back. You know, thanks for having me. I'm glad this is working out. It's fun. Class is in session, Cynthia, and let's get right to it. So we started with the Jets last time. Let's pick up this week with the Giants. You are my co-teacher. What does your rubric say? What was your draft grade for the New York Giants? You know, I know it's going to sound weird, but I'm going to give them like a minus B plus. It's kind of, I'm, I'm, I don't know how I go as far as teacher grades go, but I loved the trade down. I love all of the equity for next season is great. I loved Aziz Ojolari, the second pick that they made. I thought they got great value on that one. So when I look to see like, you know, what, what are they? I mean, Kadarius Tony. Okay. But like, great. Like not, I wasn't in love with him. I, it's a fine pick, not a A plus pick, but the whole strategy, you have to take all of it and put it together. And the fact that there were so many trade downs, like what was the nickname? You can probably tell me more like, you know, like the, he makes two trades down and everyone's like, nah, he's like, you know, Davy trader or whatever. <laughs> like, yeah. whatever <laughs> was Aziz Aljilari the steal of the entire draft? Pretty close. I think um, Jeremiah Wusukoromoa might have been a little bit more of a steal for the Browns. But yeah. again, I, this is not a like for for where they were picking. And I thought they were going to have to take Aziz Ojolari in the first round. So for me, I think it's a great pick. I think it's a position of need. You got you fulfilled two needs, got equity for next season. I actually think it was a really efficient trade with the Bears, meaning that it was good for the Bears too. Remember, they have to kind of save, you know, their Ryan Pace, their GM, probably on the hot seat a little bit more about that. Mitch Trubisky situation. So I think it was a really efficient trade, very well executed by everyone. And Aziz Ojolari, who I thought was a first rounder, you got in the second. It all works out. From the Giants, my grade was a B minus. And I had three reasons. And we're going to go through them now. So one was for not addressing the offensive line in the draft. Two, I also had Katarius Tony rank. I, I had like categories. So he was my my intermediate wide receiver, the lowest of them. I loved the trade down, but I didn't love the pick. Mm-hmm. And then three. The Giants pick, they listed them as four cornerbacks on their like little graphic after the, the draft was over, despite having signed Adoree Jackson and pro bowler James Bradbury still on the roster. So first, not addressing the offensive line in the draft. New Yorkers are very impatient. According to your model, the way that their offense, in particular the offensive line, is structured right now, will this season be a good litmus test for Daniel Jones in blue? I think it will, but I think we're, remember, free agency is not over yet. There are still a lot of deal. It's not sexy to talk about the, it feels weird because for whatever reason, free agency, like it started off strong. Remember we didn't, a lot of times we like, with the, with the way that it works with a combine, a lot of deals get done in, in principle. They don't get signed at the combine. So then when free agency comes, it's almost like a second wave of free agency. Like you already know who like the big players are moving. You kind of hear it at the draft or at the combine rather, and you kind of know. So then by the time true free agency or the, the legal tampering, blah, blah, whatever the heck that's called actually starts, you're getting sort of the second wave. And then, then there's a draft and there's like the third wave. 
we're not on that trajectory this season. So it's not that there's bad players left. It's confusing ones. One of my strongest picks of this entire free agency, not for your team because you didn't need a corner, but Casey Hayward, he's a great example. Chargers corner went to the Raiders. Like, so the point is, is there's still a lot of great players out there and the O-line you're going to see some interesting things. I know it would have been better to address it. I'm with you. I, I completely agree, but I, I don't think it's quite done yet. So we'll have to see how that works out. Is there are any names sticking out to you that maybe the Giants would be targeting? I think there's going to be some people moving. I'm trying to remember like who I like. I don't think, I think there's going to be fallout from Aaron Rodgers. I don't think he'll be a Packer. There's a number of chess pieces that are still out there that you could still make, uh, you know, maybe just a little patience. So my brother's a Packers fan and I was going to ask you this. Aaron Rodgers is not a Packer next season. He's going to be crushed. I think it's either Aaron or Brian Gutekunst. I think it's one or the other. And I don't know if they'll do it. And I don't know if it's enough time. It's certainly not about the coach. And Aaron, he's the reigning MVP. You got to kind of give the man what he wants. So I don't know. It's all about egos. We're going to learn a lesson in egos, you know? (laughs) They drafted a cornerback. After all that, they drafted a cornerback in the first round. I was like, well... I kind of, I kind of felt bad though. In in fairness, he wasn't a first. I don't have a first round rating on him, but he wasn't bad. It just that poor guy. <laughs> poor guy. It's all gonna be bad. Number two, Kadarius Tony. Um, I guess what value does he bring to this offense? Because the the Giants already have a slot guy in Sterling Shepard. Maybe they're not gonna do that so much. I I'm not sure. I mean that would lead me to believe, like, I don't know how this all pieces together. They, they must have a plan. I, I kind of don't know if you can have too much in the slot. If you're trying to help Daniel Jones and figuring out maybe Sterling Shepard, they'll have him stretch a little bit more. And maybe the, I, I don't know. I, it, that didn't make a ton of sense to me. I, I don't like, and I don't dislike the player. I just think the fit is questionable. So you've seen a lot of slot, but you know what? Remember this time last year, and I'm not making the, like, this is not the same player comp, but remember everyone's like, Oh, Justin Jefferson only plays in the slot too from LS. You and then you saw him definitely not only play in the slot as a Minnesota Viking. So maybe he has, I mean, we, he, his resume does include a lot of receptions from the slot, but I'm going to wait and see because one thing that I do really, really appreciate about this coaching staff and what I've seen Jason do elsewhere is roll out a plan so that like, like you saw, why did Dak Prescott, why did he end up doing so well? Well, his first season, he almost didn't throw any passes outside the numbers deep, which is like, quote unquote, the hardest throw to make, right? So they rolled out things that were easier, higher probability passes first, and then they asked him to do the harder ones. Maybe that's part of the strategy to do a higher probability pass, get really good at them, and then develop from there. You know, maybe, maybe that's what they're trying to reinforce. It's a good guess as any, I think. You're right. It's a good guess as any. <laughs> so whether it's talent or fit, I looked at who was still left on the board when the Giants picked Tony. And maybe aside from the running backs, but for the listener, the players, I know you know, but the players taken immediately after him were Quiddy Pay, Caleb Farley, Christian Darisaw, Najee Harris, Travis Etienne, and Greg Newsom the second or maybe even a little bit further down, Jason Alway. Will they regret passing up any of these guys? Maybe Darisaw. I mean, look, I think Quiddy Pay is, I love his story. I like, I think they'll regret kind of, honestly, they could regret all of them depending on what, like Tony, like, doesn't put him in a position to set him up to succeed. You know, like they might love him and maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he, they, they, I eat my words and he's like your star, but it wasn't a great pick. It was, it was a reach, but if they have a use for him, then it'll work out They, you know, the people I talk to love him. So great. Like I, that's fantastic. I guess I just think it was like uh, underwhelming. It was kind of like, Hey, I finally traded down. Okay. Just don't look at who I pick now. You know what I mean? Like, 
I'm totally with you on that. And, and Jeremiah Owusu Koromoa, why did he plummet? He has a bit of a scheme fit. He's not quite a prototype for anything. If you watch the film and you go back and watch like Notre Dame's games, there were some inconsistencies on tape. Now, do I think that he was a first round talent? Yeah. It's not like he's a edge rusher where kind of, you can have 30 of them. Okay. You can have 30, but like, you know, you can, like, you can, you kind of can't have too many, you know, like it's, it's a bit more of a nuanced position. Just inconsistency on tape, I think is probably the, it doesn't make him a must have. Well, we're joined by NFL Network, Cynthia Freeland here on the fan. And the other thing was picking four guys that the team listed as, as a cornerback following the draft, Adoree Jackson, James Bradbury. What, what's the thought process there? What's the value in that? Is there? Well, <laughs> I guess um, I, look, I love Bradbury. I think he was like a, a really great pick. And, you know, I, I like Adoree Jackson. I like him more if he's healthy. I think that's goes without saying. But I think that the that the sense is, is that it's not going to look like we typically see it. I think they're going to play a lot more man. I'll maybe rotate in more. They're going to try to figure out what the best situation for their, who's the, like, I don't think it'll be like, they'll have a nickel corner. They'll have, they'll just play the type of defense that needs more bodies. And I don't necessarily, think that's a bad thing plus they all won't make the team like night maybe i mean they could not all make that well they currently you know i don't mean to say, i'm not meaning to debbie downer here but it's possible that not everyone will make the team so yeah. so it's it's like or do you want to play maybe some are special teamers we obviously coach knows a, a thing or two about what their strategy is in special teams so we you know they're listed as what and what will they play well we got to wait and we got to wait and see so i i think you know i think it was a strong statement <laughs> Whether or not it works out, we'll have to see. Any late round steals for the Giants? Value picks? The problem with the later round picks are, in the case of the Giants, just like we pointed out, I don't know how they're going to use them. Like mm -hmm. some people got a really good late round pick and you know how they use them. Like Dynami Brown for the wide receiver for the for Washington. You know what position he plays, <laughs> right. right? So, right. and you know, he's like a deep ball pass catcher and they got him, you know, late. So that's a good value because it's very clear. But when you have a little bit of it, more question marks, I don't know. It gets hard to be like, this one's going to be awesome. Last time we talked giants total win total was, I think the over under seven, seven and a half. Where are you on that? Until the season starts. I think, I think we're sevens about right. Oh, I hate saying that though. <laughs> yeah. But in division, that's not the best. I mean, that might do it. Might do it. It's going to, the NFC South, I think is who one of the people who you guys all play. I and mean, it could be a, that could help them maybe more than the, the, the division is the Eagles. Right. The Eagles didn't have a great draft. So, okay. I think Washington's a prohibitive favorite. I still don't know what the Cowboys defense going on. So if there was right. something I would look at. If you were a betting person, I would probably think that it's confounding that the Cowboys are favored to win the division right now. That's the one thing I think. For the New York Jets, co-teacher Cynthia Freeland, what does your rubric say? What was your draft grade for the New York Jets? I'll go solid A minus. I like their draft. I like the offseason moves just overall. I don't know if I think Zach Wilson's, um, we'll have to see, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, like I think he's good, but he had a really good O-line in front of him. The level of competition wasn't as high as some other places. He was great using play action, but he had a lot of time behind that line. He was great on off-platform throws. Absolutely. But he had a lot of time, you know? So it, it really matters, you know, how this transition goes. Like, it, it could be great. And I want it to be great. I do a jet show. I love my jet show. I want the jets to be, I'm a big Sheldon Rankins fan. I hope he can stay healthy. I think that'll be helpful. You got a good three technique in there. I want them to be good. It's just, I don't know if this is enough. I love Elijah Vera Tucker. Thought that was great. 
you know, like that was a great trade up, thought that was executed really well. I love that there's a running back. I love that he has the same name as another player. Like you got to get players with the same names because it seems better that way. Still not sure who the corners are though. Still not sure. Like the Giants took all the corners and the Jets just don't have any corners. (laughs) So yeah, actually I gave the Jets an A. You said A minus, I said A. So we're pretty good there. I just think like, they did absolutely they could, everything that they could to, to shore up everything for Zach Wilson, ex- including the blind side on the offensive line. I thought that was a, you know, Vera Tucker and Becton. He could sleep at night better than, than Sam Darnold ever could, you know? Yeah. And then just loading up on the defensive deficiencies round five and six. So uh, was there a player that you feel the Jets like either left on the board or could have traded up to get and didn't? I was more of a fan of like, keep Sam figure out the O-line and then get some pass rush help. Cause I just, I'm not sure where the rush is going to come from. And I'm not sure. Cause like good corners make things like easier the, the front and the back of the defense work together. Yeah. So I'm just not sure where the heat's going to come from on that. Right. Like, I don't know if it's really imposing, you got to be able to stop the pass. the league. No, you know, we, we see an increase on passing on first down every single season, the past three, this is a passing league pass, pass, pass. You can't defend the pass. You're going to have a hard time. So that's my fear. One thing that I kind of looked at, I, I looked at Michael Carter at one Oh seven, right? The running back. I loved Trey sermon 88. And I was like, Oh, he's going to follow them. He's going to follow them. And then he didn't. And what, I mean, do you know, what's the drop off between the two of them? And would it have been advantageous to go up and get sermon? It's a style thing. I mean, Michael Carter split the backfield with Javante Williams. So when you're watching the UNC film, they're both good. They're, I, I like both of them. You know, Javante was a little better, obviously, and that's why he ended up going the second round to the Broncos. But Carter has a lot of, like, just, like, I would guess that they what they thought about Mike, I don't know, but what I would guess they thought about Trey Sermon was the versatility of Michael Carter is probably higher than the versatility of Trey. Uh, that'd be my guess. Because, you know, like Ohio State running back, they have – the way that their program works just looks a little different than the way the Carolina one does and splitting. I don't know that to me, that's a style thing. I don't know. Six of one have, I liked them both. Like I'm not, you know, I had a little bit higher grade on Michael Carter than Trey Sermon, but again, it's a style, a style thing. Where do you want him to run inside outside? Like, what do you want him to do? Like, that's the, that's the thing. It's like, well, we'll have to see. Same question with the giants. Were there any, I know late round steals for the jets. I mean, they loaded up on defense. I actually thought that the jets did a better job in the later rounds than the giants did. Again, I'm, they weren't ones that had clear people who stood out as being like, Ooh, this is an excellent value. in the late round. Right. It was kind of like, all right, well, we'll see how they use them. Right. Like nice swings. No one, it was like a stupid pick. I, I just think maybe package some of those up and there were a number of like nice of those intermediate corners that were left or, you know, that the past, like there were just a number of things that were left on the table that I felt like they could have benefited from. We're joined by NFL Network data scientist Cynthia Freeland here on the fan. Has your model adjusted? I mean, we both graded the Jets, you know, A, A minus. Has the win total been up at this point in time? I think it was six and a half last time we talked. I think six is still probably about right. I hate, I hate to say it. Yeah. But the Dolphins did really well in the draft. The Bills, like they didn't need much and they did really well in the draft. It's a rebuilding year. You got to give a, they got to give Zach Wilson a second to get adjusted to the speed of the NFL too. So that makes September a particularly hard month just in general. And then, you know, the Patriots didn't get any worse, you know, like they got pretty good too. So it's just interesting that the most veteran quarterback in this league is Josh Allen or in this division, Josh Allen, I guess, I mean, Cam will start presumably in the beginning, but you know, I don't know if you draft someone 15 without 
thinking they're at least going to start somewhat soon, but it's kind of amazing to think that to me. So for both of our teams, were there any picks that kind of like, you were like, Ooh, like anything that surprised you? Like, ah, well, I don't know about that one. I never, I can, I feel like I can't say those just giants or jets picks or like anyone overall. Um, I guess we'll go giants jets first. And then if you have anybody overall. Yeah. Okay. So I just want to understand I like their, I like the Jets picks. I do. I certainly like the Jets picks. I'm, I'm happy with things overall. I'm conf- the word isn't confused. That's not the right word. The word that I think is, is interesting is like, why are you waiting to round six to get a defensive tackle? I just think five before I didn't like Jamie and Sherwood when I watched the film, but like, whatever, like that's it's round five, who cares? You know, like yeah. I just, none of these guys really stood off, stood up as being like, awesome. I don't know. Like I, there was some good value to be had in some of the, like, I don't, I guess I I'm like underwhelmed, but it doesn't mean it's not surprising. Cause it's the fifth round. So take whoever you want, you know, like I, it's not like a second round pick where like, I think they did again, Kadarius Tony is a little surprising, but like, I don't care what you do in the later rounds. Like that should be your draft round. Your like day three is your scouts day. The scouts get to me, the scouts get to pick those picks and, you know, see where they fall. What about the whole league then surprise picks in the league? I mean, obviously everyone's talking about Alex Leatherwood. Um, yeah. <laughs> the Raiders make interesting selections. I mean, Leatherwood to me was like number 80 or something, something very low. Yeah. When you watch him on film, he's incredibly stiff, incredibly stiff. The interesting part is like they have a bad habit of selecting players with bad body control. Like if you look at Damon Arnett last year, the man like is out of control. His center of gravity is like, like constantly moving. And then if you look now Leatherwood, he's like a, like a bit stuck in the mud. Like I know he played for Alabama. Like I'm not disrespecting him. I'm just saying that if you're going to be taken that high, you should be like, I mean, Christian Darisaw went after him. It just, it just was surprising to me. Very smart. They clearly don't, it, it, you know, ascribe to any group thing. So I do appreciate that they're thinking for themselves, but just a little weird <laughs> group thing. That's an education term. <laughs> yeah. But it's, I mean, that's what happens usually at the combine. Like you start to hear these names, like, Oh, everyone, Jamin Davis is a good example of that. Jamin Davis was a group think he's good, but he kind of got elevated like sort of later in there because some of the smart people started saying that name out loud and (laughs) it worked out, but like, you know, and, and obviously, I mean, he went to Washington, so, you know, maybe, I don't know when he started to surface, but Jamin, that was not one who was on people's mock drafts, like back in September, you know? So yeah, group think we'll see. Uh, so finally, like I post for my classes every day, every different class, I have an essential question for them. And my essential question to you is, did both of my listeners, our New York teams get better during this draft? They did. They did. The, the Giants are, could be sneaky good. It's really, I know it sounds really stupid, but like, I think the schedule. So obviously next Wednesday, the schedule gets released. Once we see the schedule, it could be a like, depending on how, like momentum really does matter. That beginning of the season, I know, and it's funny to say that to the Giants fans because obviously last Super Bowl season they started off in the gutter and then figured it out. But, but in general, and but part of the reason why that's so crazy is because it is such an outlier, right? Because that typically isn't how things go. Steelers last season are the they started off on a strong roll, then they faded. But like 
you know, usually you, you need to get some, you need to get some good reps in there early. So it's the schedule will probably dictate a lot. Look, if you get, you can get a few, a few wins against some of the, you know, you start off with like the Eagles. Okay. That sounds like a W to me. You know, you start off like you kind of learn how to win and it, it makes it easier to keep winning. It, it's a lot harder when you start off in the L column. It's a, it's a lot harder to dig yourself out. So the schedule will matter. And, and same thing for, you know, maybe even more for the Jets because you've got Zach Wilson who we don't know what we're going to see. And I don't even know what they expect him to be able to pull off. I think if they won six, I don't think they would hate life. Like I, and I, and that's not a, that's not a bar we all like to, to set, but you know, for like, there's still some rebuild. You're recovering from like a very bad GM. So that's not like going to happen in one minute. It didn't take one minute to, to get messed up. And it's not going to take, you know, one minute to leave. So, and I got to throw a dig, a very bad head coach. Sorry. I hate it. I call him Adam guru. I mock him. Adam guru is who I call. That's funny. All right. Well, Cynthia, thanks so much for joining us. Obviously you're, you're one of the best guests I ever had. So thank you. I appreciate you taking the time. Mm -hmm. Welcome back to McCartan after midnight in this final five o'clock hour here on Mother's Day Sunday, May 9th, 2021. Welcome back to the show, everybody. How great is Cynthia Freeland? She is, she knows her stuff, man. She's, she's a great guest. I can't wait to have her back on or have a reason to have her back on. She's welcome anytime. She knows that. Um, and I hope you guys enjoyed it. So it's been a, a short night. It started at three o'clock. We talked uh, uh, pretty much. We've hit every we have. We have hit every major sport here in the New York area. Yankees, Mets. Talked a lot about the Rangers. And we even got some Giants and Jets draft recap. Jets minicamp started. If you're a Jet fan, you are paying close attention to what is going on in, in the minicamp that began Friday, went Saturday, and I think concludes uh, later today on Sunday. Giants fans. You got to wait one more week. Giants rookie minicamp begins next weekend, which is, by the way, the latest date permitted uh, by the NFL and the NFLPA. So the Giants are getting together May 14th, 15th, and 16th. So there you go. And I, I set the table early. We were coming off a, a, a Yankee, you know, on the show, not directly after, but we, we were coming off of a Yankees victory, a thrilling Yankees victory, and, and, another, and another Mets victory. How about that? So I told you guys last week that you should really buckle your seatbelts if you're a Yankee fan. It was it's going to be a roller coaster ride this season. This is a streaky team. Just buckle up. And today, I didn't like it because it kind of threw a wrench in my preparation plans all day today. But two hours and twenty five minute rain delay at the stadium, and I played it before. It was a hard day's night for the Yankees. But luckily, Glaber Torres made them feel all right. The game was supposed to start at one ten. It didn't, and then it didn't end until 7.30 p.m. Friday, I want a little cheese, a little bit, take it to City Field later today, but I want a little cheese on uh, the DJ LeMayhew home run. DJ LeMayhew seems to be heating up, leadoff home run. I didn't even have to sweat the bet out the rest of the game. And then again, he hit another one later on in the game, but the Yankees um, got demolished by the Nationals Friday night after putting together a really good week. And that week included taking the series against the uh, the Cheatstros, the Astros Cheaters. And by the way, I was keeping track. I know, I'm a little bit crazy, but I was keeping track. Besides that, um, you know, Altuve's 
clutch hit in one of the games. I'm purposely understating that. Uh, the four cheating position players were, uh, obviously, just a review here, Altuve, Bregman, Correa, and Gurriel. In the series versus the Yankees, yeah, I was keeping track. They hit 10 for 49. And Correa? <laughs> Correa. I wish he got a little bit more of the angst from the crowd. I didn't really hear it for Correa, really. And he's been the, the guy that's been like, I mean, I get that, that uh, to, um, what's his name, Altuve hit the home run off of Chapman to send the Yankees home. I get that Altuve, um, you know, won the, the MVP over Aaron Judge. But Correa has been like absolutely non-apologetic to the point where he's instigating things. And this is what he said this week. I'm not afraid of Yankee Stadium. The fans don't scare me. Their pitching is soft, and you can't stop someone like me. Well, through the first two games, he was uh, 0 for 8, I think it was. Hitless. Zero. Big fat zero. Had that taste. Correa. Shut up. <laughs> but anyway, back to Saturday's game. It was an exciting game. If you, and, and we've talked a little bit about the, the, the runner on second rule. You know, hear me out and, and think of it in a different way. This is like, I feel like I'm in class. Think of it in a different way. I am a hybrid, but, but I lean more towards like old school baseball. But I do embrace analytics. Um, analytics have helped Jacob DeGrom, by the way, drop his arm slot three and a half inches. And that is part of the reason why. He's as dominant as he is, but that's a story for maybe another day. But I like the runner on second rule. Think of this as a paradigm shift because if the runner's on second, you as a batter, you have to put the ball in play, whether that be a bunt to to move the runner over, a sack fly to move the runner over, or a hit through the right side of the infield to move the runner or potentially score the runner. Or, you know what I mean? Like all of those outcomes are not home run or strikeout. You know what I'm saying? So I think old school baseball fans, if you get over the fact that, oh my God, there's a runner on second, how dare they put a runner on second to start the inning? When you get into the technique and the mentality in the batter's box, I can speak for myself anyway. I don't mind it because it forces the batters to go back to the old school mentality. And that's kind of what Glaber Torres did earlier. Uh, uh, I guess I can't say today, but you know, last night, I guess it is at this point. Bottom of the ninth, one out, Judge on first, LeMahieu on third. And this is not the extra innings just yet. But Torres put a swing on pitch number two where he looked like he wanted to hit the ball to the moon, knock the cover off the ball. And I wrote down in my notes, I wrote, come on, man, just put it in play. The very next pitch. He went with, I'd love to say he went with the outside pitch to right field and DJ LeMahieu came home to tie the game. And uh, a cool story, Torres told uh, Meredith Morakovitz after the game that his teammates told him, he struck out three times, by the way, Saturday. And his teammates told him, you'll get the last bat, just believe in it. And he did. And using his, his words, he just put the ball in play. And in the bottom of the 11th inning, he sent the Yankees home in a, with a victory over the Nationals, 4-3, in very dramatic fashion. And, listen, the Astros may have stolen signs, but the Yankees ran into that buzzsaw named Max Scherzer early. And they ended up stealing the game from the Nationals. So, um, when you look at Scherzer, 14 strikeouts 
and two hits. That's what the Yankees produced against Max Scherzer. And ironically, the last time the Yankees struck out 14 times in a game, they also won the game. So maybe that's the secret. Just strike out 14 times and you're going to win. But you know what else? Like going against Scherzer, knocking Scherzer out, and then going against the Nationals' bullpen, it's it's not easy. <laughs> like it's not a weak bullpen because entering Saturday's game, they had allowed one hit in 43 at-bats. To whom was that one hit? Clint Frazier, RBI single, by the way. But this Yankee game, to me anyway, was like playoff baseball. And what did it reveal about this this Yankees team? Two things. And do you want the good news or the bad news first? I know you're, no one's on the phone here. Like I, I see you guys waiting. I'm not talking to anybody. So I'm going to go with what I always take first is um, the bad news. The bad news is the Yankees still struggle against elite pitching, which doesn't bode well in playoff baseball. But the good news is that they had the strength and the resolve to rally from losing. They were down 2-1 to one to win that game. So prior to Saturday's victory, the Yankees this season, by the way, had been 0-13 for 13 when trailing after 8. Might as well put a fork in them. But not Saturday. So that's, that's the good news, that the Yankees were able to put something together and rally and win the game. So momentum's a real thing. Let's see what happens. And as for the Mets, do you remember when Dom Smith challenged the Phillies pitcher Alvarado to, to meet him in the tunnel? And then he, Dom Smith said, we'll get after it. Well, what foreshadowing that was, everybody. Alvarado did not take it to the vice, but McNeil and Lindor certainly did. They did it. There were no rats. There were no raccoons. There were no possums. But you know what? I I said this before. For about 10 minutes, I really did think that that's what happened, that they did see a rat. Because my first time that I saw a New York City rat, I mean, they were cat-sized. And they, plural, they were cat-sized rats. So... I did believe them for about 10 minutes. And then I really started thinking about it. I'm like, wait a second. That doesn't make any sense. The The press conference was brutal to, to watch, to hear. It was so fake. So This is Friday night. So fake. So contrived. I just, I was like cringeworthy. I was sitting there like cringing. Really what they should have done was sat together on the same Zoom, told the truth, as much as the truth as they wanted to tell. They don't have to tell it all. But I just think that New Yorkers, this isn't Cleveland anymore. I think New Yorkers didn't appreciate the jokes. I know I didn't. Didn't appreciate the joking around. Just come out, say what happened, and squash it. Because now, instead of you know, talking about how the, the, the third-string catcher, Patrick Mazika, in his second major league at bat, it's a walk-off. Well, a walk-off dribbler, we should say, but a walk-off nonetheless. I mean, we're not even talking about that. So I feel bad for Patrick Mazika. A little bit, because we're talking about raccoons and rodents and whatever. So, you know, but before that, though, Lindor came up big with his first home run at City Field as a Met. So I tweeted right after it happened. I said, well, 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 Lindor with a two-run shot to tie the game. I see. Can't say I'm surprised. It's May, isn't it? I told you guys. And Lindor's bat, I don't know about his offense, his defense, but his bat is certainly heating up over the past two nights. Combined, over Friday and Saturday, 
He's batting 500, four for eight, that is, with three runs, three RBIs, one walk, and that game-tying two-run home run Friday night. And then McNeil launched a home run into the bullpen Saturday night. And guess what? No one was happier for McNeil than Lindor himself. Did you see how fast the SNY camera panned to him? In any event, the Mets are looking to keep the momentum going with another win versus the Diamondbacks winning their that was the even if they lose later today that they have won they have locked up their fifth series of the season and they're playing I would I would kind of call this their first sweep of the season but I know you're going to look at the schedule and say oh well you know they had the Phillies I think it was five games versus the Phillies they won three of them two were postponed so technically they won uh they swept the Phillies I guess on a technicality, maybe. But they still have to make two of those games up. So we'll have to see about that. But DeGrom's on the bump. I'm in the stands later today for my dad's birthday. We've got a message. By the way, oh, I don't know if he's listening. Turn the radio down if you're listening. Dad, we've got a message on the the scoreboard. Happy 64th birthday, Tom McCartan. So if you guys are going to be there, try to get a picture of it because my mom's really not good at handling the camera duties. So if you guys can get a picture of that, that'd be great for, for me. Just tweet it to me, please, and thank you. We'll try. I'm wearing, by the way, number 48 tonight and a Mets blue T-shirt. That's what you guys voted on the poll. It was There was a late entrant of uh, of Henrik Lundqvist, and uh, DeGrom still beat him out. We had a little playoff this time around. I love how you guys get so in, into what, what shirt I wear. And um, by the way, the Mets record... 15 and 13. They have a win streak of four. And they're on pace to end the season at 87 and 75. Is that enough to make the playoffs? I would venture to guess yes. And I played Crazy Train by Ozzy Osbourne before for the Rangers fan. Speaking of Henrik Lundqvist, I know he's retired, but Rangers fan, all aboard the Crazy Train this week, right? Listen, the whole thing was uh, was was really crazy. It's it's a lot to digest, right? Um, but the the biggest thing, I guess it's not the biggest thing, but the one thing I feel I guess most passionate about is how Tom Wilson is still allowed to skate on the ice. I mean, the guy has been suspended in five different occasions uh, in his eight. This is his eighth full season in the league. So, but there's that that number should have been a lot higher, as I outlined. There's been. One, two, three examples that I came up with just right off the bat that where he forced three different players on three different teams in three different games out of the game. And there were some ridiculous reasons why he didn't get why didn't he didn't get suspended. And not to mention, that's not including the the manhandling of Artemi Panarin, who he also knocked out from that game and the rest of the season. I know it wasn't a long rest of the season, but nonetheless, he was still out of out. He's still out. He was fined, Tom Wilson was fined the maximum of $5,000, given a 10-minute penalty. I mean, you know what? I am totally behind. I'm, you know, I'm so happy that the Rangers put that statement out. I really am. It was, they said, called it a horrifying act of violence, which it was. They said they were looking for the league to suspend him indefinitely, which is good. And honestly... I'm really looking at all the other playoff teams that have already clinched the playoffs to kind of join on the bandwagon. I know the Rangers were fined a quarter of a million dollars. There was all kinds of fallout and the firings of the GM and, and the team president and the whole thing. But, you know, 
the morally correct thing to do is to jump on that bandwagon. Because what is the league going to do if and when this guy kills somebody on the ice? I mean, there's a there's a line between like hockey gamesmanship and assault. And Tom Wilson doesn't seem to know that line. And so I'm calling upon the other I called upon the other playoff teams to 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 band together to issue the same statement because one it's the morally correct thing to do. Two, it's going to protect their own players because he really seems to ramp up this derelict behavior in the playoffs. You'll see. And three, there's strength in numbers to put the pressure on the league to make a change. And four, Tom Wilson has the team's most penalty minutes accrued by far. Yet, he's the Capitals' fifth best point scorer and fourth best goal scorer. So if you're smart, if you're a playoff team, in, in the line of fire of the Washington Capitals, then get that good, even great player off the ice, on the bench throughout the playoffs. I mean, maybe that's just me. Maybe we're just living in bizarro world, but George Paros, who's been part of that committee, safety committee since 2016, this is, uh, this is an ominous sign for you, dude. I don't know. And as far as the firings, well, we can get into that too, but I think they were not deserved. I think the Rangers are are in the middle of a really great rebuild, in fact. And when Drury said, um, you know, in his introductory press conference, he was asked where the organizational rebuild was and where it is now. He said, I don't think it's anything too dramatic, uh, too drastic. We do have a lot of good pieces. So if it's not so drastic, why the need for a lateral move, a sideways change? It just doesn't quite compute for me. But maybe that's just me. If you guys want to talk about that, Yankees, Mets, Giants, Jets, even the Rangers drama this week, 877-337-6666 is the number. And if for some reason you can't get through, it's at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N on Twitter. So quick little break here, and we'll get to your calls right after it. Welcome back to McCartan After Midnight. We are careening towards 6 a.m. where Bob Salter comes your way then. And just a, just a final note. Uh, there is an update on Tom Wilson, by the way. He reached. He apparently reached out to Artemi Panarin. Yeah, sure, fine. I hope Panarin hung up the phone on him. But Tom Wilson left Saturday night's game against the Flyers with a knee injury. I just watched the video on that short little break. They collided leg on leg. It looked like it was an accident. Not positive, but he had to be helped off the ice. So the karma monster has gotten you. Tom Wilson, and thanks for that alert, uh, at Kegler3000 on Twitter. He said the karma struck him tonight. So, yes, in fact, karma did. And uh, you know what? I, um, I, I bought myself an early birthday present, which is kind of like a throwback Thursday for me. I'll tell you real quick. Uh, it's a sport that you might not know ha- that I actually played. Not really. So I bought rollerblades you know, inline skates. And apparently because they're a better workout than biking or running, right? And they're obviously more fun, easier on the knees. I'm getting old, you know? So here's the throwback Thursday part. My dad came home from work one day with hockey sticks for me and my brother. I was like, I don't know, like 11. And of course we needed rollerblades to go along with them, right? So we got the rollerblades and we set up a rink. We had a very long driveway, nice flat driveway, recently paved. We had two garbage cans at the end of it and a tennis ball and we played hockey. And we slammed each other into the garage door, which had just enough give, you know, like like the top of the real hockey walls, like the glass, just enough give. It was so fun. It wasn't Tom Wilson, uh, you know, 
fights that, <laughs> that we had. But, you know. So I ordered them last Friday on Amazon Prime, and they showed up on the door last Thursday. I was not happy about that. So Friday after school, gave them a little try. The beginning was a little wobbly, I'll be honest. But towards the end, I was doing, like, real good, like like riding a bike. So good that 1.12 miles later, <laughs> I got home. And let me tell you, I worked for that because the, the roads, there wasn't much gliding going on by my house. It's a lot of gravel. I was <laughs> My legs are a little sore, actually, so I got, I got to find some better paved roads. But all I need now is a hockey stick and a place to play. So, yeah, there's my little gift to myself. 877-337-6666 in the order that you guys called. Mike in Belovel, you're up on the fan. Oh, hi. Oh, good morning, Danielle. Um, I'd like to talk to you about my trip to Yankee Stadium with the Astros. Oh, you know, tell me. Yeah, I, I enjoyed it, but I was surprised to see, you know, um, fellow Astro fans wearing Astro jerseys. I did not wear my Astro jersey. I, I was afraid to wear my Astro gear. I would have and, been too, yeah. But, and um, also, you know, I, I, you know the, um, the crowd didn't seem to bother them, but I, I'd still be, you know, I thought it would it was a bit of a, mis- a mistake. I'm, I'm rooting for an Astro Met World Series. How cool would that be? Two teams who came in at the same time. I mean, I don't know about that, but wait a second. It didn't bother them. Your boy George Springer was, uh, oh no, what's his name? Carlos Correa was 0 for 8 in the first two games. They lost the first two. Yeah, I know, I know, but I, I, I still think, you know, there's, you know, still the, you know, you know, there's still a superior team. And um, oh no, oh no, Mike, you are going to ignite the phone lines with that comment. I disagree. Come on. Okay, all right, and also the NFL draft. Yeah. Um, you know, the Patriots getting. I think that he'll learn. Um, you know. Um, from Newton, and uh, you, I know you're not a big Newton supporter, and um, yeah, but I think I think he would. I think that um, that would be a good idea to have him learn. You know, from um, how long are you thinking though? A whole season? I don't, I don't think. No, it's no, be... I don't know. I yeah. I don't think that I think they might have a short leash because Newton yeah. didn't come through last year. You know what I'm saying? I know what you're saying. Yeah, I agree with you. Oh, I... and ha- happy birthday to your dad, and a happy <laughs> Mother's Day to your mom. Oh, thanks, Mike. I appreciate it. Okay, bye. Bye. Uh, so, uh, Cam Newton, it's going to be, he's right. It's going to be a short leash. I'm telling you, I told you when the draft was going on, once they selected a quarterback at, what was it, 15, Cam Newton's days were numbered. So I say the last start that Cam Newton makes is going to be week five or six. That's the last you're going to see at Cam Newton. He's going to be better. They did more to, to help him out this time around. They didn't have much to work with, let's be honest. But, He's going to be gone. He's not going to make it past week, I would say, tops week seven. Out. Done. Let's go to Mike in Jersey. Mike, you're up on the fan. Hey, Danielle. Good morning. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing terrific, thanks. Hey, listen, I just uh, tuned in. I was wondering, I heard a little bit about your NFL draft talk with um, the data specialist. Cynthia Freeland, yeah. Yes. Terrific talk, by the way. Thank you. What was your pre-draft analysis of all the quarterbacks? Well, you know, honestly, I didn't dig deep into them because everybody knew the Jets were taking Zach Wilson, honestly. Okay, and what are, you, what are your thoughts of um, the Jets taking Zach uh, Wilson and, and passing off uh, Sam Darnold? Yeah, and, and Mike, good call there. Good question. Um, I, listen, I, everybody knows I, I am a Sam Darnold uh, supporter, Mostly because they didn't give him enough to work with. 
whether that be weapons or support up front. They didn't give me enough to work with. And you know that in drafting Zach Wilson and moving up to get Elijah Vera Tucker, which was an amazing pick for the Jets, I think probably the best pick of the entire draft, I would almost say. Well, definitely for the Jets. That was their best pick. Um, the thing is, I probably, and Cynthia Freeland too, we talked about it, you heard it, I probably would have stuck with Sam Darnold, probably would have got Kyle Pitts with the second overall pick, and then Vera Tucker with the 14th overall. And then, see what happens. See what kind of magic you can make. And if Sam Darnold didn't pan out at that point in time, then they'd go ahead and ship him off. He was still going to be a bargain by starting quarterback in the NFL standards, dollars-wise, and and that's it. But, you know, that's that's... They didn't agree with me. They they didn't take my advice on that, and they went Zach Wilson. So, um, of listen, of the quarterbacks that were available in the draft, he was the best one of of the available, besides Trevor Lawrence, obviously. But um, I'm glad that the Jets didn't go Justin Fields. Very happy that they didn't go Justin Fields. Um, and just the other guys just didn't wow me enough, you know. And and Zach Wilson in his pro day, to be fair, did wow me. Again, though, there's no defense, you know, the whole thing. So, first option, plan A, was to stick with Sam Darnold. Since they didn't do that, plan B, I'm I'm, I'm okay with Zach Wilson. I, I hope that answers the question there. But Vera Tucker, I, I called the draft, I called it, you guys heard it, I called the, the trade-up and the pick. But I actually said uh, 16, not 14, but whatever. So, Look at the first pick. Zach Wilson, quarterback. Elijah Vera Tucker, left tackle. Wide receiver, Elijah Moore. Michael Carter, running back. The first four picks that the Jets made at 2, 14, 34, and 107 were to address the offense. So they're giving him the weapons, or they're trying to, and this isn't going to be fixed in a year. I think all Jet fans, logical ones, know that and believe that. I think the team to beat in, in the... Uh, in the East, the AFC East is, is going to be the Bills. And in a kind of selfish way, so I can make some money, I have them winning the Super Bowl. So in a way, under my breath, I'm going to say, let's go Bills. If it's not the Jets or Giants, let's go Bills, right? That, that's how we have to go this year. Tony in Providence, you're up on the fan. Good morning. Excellent job as always, Danielle. Oh, thanks, Tony. Doing the calls and the producer. Danielle, every time. Yes, um, I agree with you. That player from Wilson should be suspended forever. Yeah. Um, that's what I feel about him. Awful, awful, awful. And you said it, the track record is there. His record is awful. He should be really harshly treated by the NHL. I mean, that's number one. Yeah. Um, Wednesday's a big day. The schedule comes out. Yes. NFL schedule. I can't wait for that. And obviously, the first game I'll be looking for is Brady against Belichick. Oh, yeah. Um, that'll be a big game. He's coming to Foxville. Monday Night crazy. Football. Yeah, it'll be a national game for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know how many fans will be allowed to go, but that's going to be wild. Um, yeah. I, that's going to be worth a lot. Um, we like Super Bowl prices. Um, and what else? Um, the main thing is, yes, the Yankees. It was great to see the Cheetahs going getting um, loud and proud. The Yankee fans uh, gave them a good reception. Um, it was watching because it had to be because there's less people right in the stadium. So yeah. I'm sure they... They felt it and they heard it because the manager mentioned it and the players from the Astros mentioned that it was loud, right, Daniel? Yep, that's loud. what they said. Yeah, and Dusty Baker said just as much. He said they were expecting it, but it was loud. But can you imagine, Tony, a full stadium? that I, You know what? I hope the Yankees and the Astros meet in the playoffs. And by then, I'm assuming it's going to be full capacity, I, I'm thinking. Because uh, I think 
was when are they I think Cuomo's lifting the restrictions on the nineteenth, I think. Fifty percent capacity. Yeah. So I think we'll be full capacity by uh, by the playoffs, come the playoffs. I think that's for sure. So I hope it's the Yankees, I hope it's Astros, and I want to go with a sign, one of those games. <laughs> right. I just want to sign it was great. But yes, I mean, I've been to the Yankees team just rocking it and you can't beat it. And uh no, I don't even imagine because like you said, with less people you can hear and the impact was so much better. Yeah. So thank to all those there's a special shout out to those Yankee fans who were there um serving us proud and uh like you said, I've been there for great games in the past and uh, it's good but overall, um just looking forward to um more good stuff and uh like I said, you call it and you nail it every week on the fan and uh like I said it's a pleasure talking to you and uh oh, and I'm looking forward to talking to you next week and uh when one thing was about Rogers, uh, I still can't believe it. I mean, he forces coach out and then um and he wants out. See Brady opted out. He made sure his contract right. said on that Correct. clause, Correct. and that's why he was allowed to do what he did. Correct. But I, I don't like Rogers. I know he's a great player, Daniel. But but the bottom line is, he opted out. I mean, again, he wanted his coach out. He's never happy. It seems like, and I don't know if a lot of teams want to take that responsibility because yeah. uh, is it all about him or all about your teammates? You know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Tony, Tony, I got you on that. And thanks for calling. Talk next week uh, on R E Aaron Rodgers. I don't like it. Like you said, Tom Brady did it the right way. Aaron Rodgers is not doing it the right way. You signed a contract. You honor the contract. I said it about Deshaun Watson. I'll say it about Aaron Rodgers. Same thing. And and Russell Wilson. Same thing. But what I will say about Aaron Rodgers is the fact that I, think I looked at it last week. The fact that they have not drafted a an offensive weapon. I'm trying to remember. They have not drafted an, an offensive weapon since they they drafted him. I'm trying to find it in my notes here. The Packers have never drafted. I have this from, from last week. The Packers have never drafted in the first round for Rodgers, a wide receiver, a tight end, or a running back. In fact, the only first-round picks they've ever used on the offensive side of the ball in the Rodgers era, which is 18 seasons but 16 first-round draft picks, happened twice on two offensive linemen. And, of course, I left out Jordan Love and that quarterback, Jordan Love. So um, maybe he has a point, but but you're the league MVP. You had the league's number one scoring offense last season. And over the last two seasons, you're 26-6. and six. You went to two consecutive NFC championship games. Like, what more do you want? What other situation would be better and available than the one you have now? So just shut up. I mean, it's it's enough. It's enough already. And and like like uh, Cynthia Freeland told you, it's, it's a lesson on egos, and that's for sure. Because guess what? After all the belly aching he did, that's a JJ word. After all the belly aching he did, first round this year's draft, they picked a cornerback. It's kind of like screw you, Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I, I I don't like it. You know, you you sign the contract, honor the contract. That's that's you know that's that's what I have to say about that because and it's like the same it's the same it's the same anyway it's the same deal with uh, Wilson it's the same deal with him and it's the same deal with Deshaun Watson honor the contract stop trying to get out of it or else restructure it and, you know for next time think of it in a different way but I guess the problem is that they don't want to sign him to a long term deal would you I don't know 
I don't know. By the way, we brought up Sam Darnold just a little bit before. Sam Darnold is already endearing himself to the Carolina crowd. In which way? I'll explain coming up momentarily. Welcome back to McCartan After Midnight, or should I say McCartan in the morning here on the fan in New York City on this Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day to all the moms out there. Um, Hi, Mom. Happy Mother's Day if you're listening. Sometimes you are at this time in the morning. Um, What is this on TV? We got some church show on TV. I got to change this channel here, but I was checking my tweets on the break. A bunch of good stuff, you guys, coming in at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N. I told you, Sam Darnold is endearing himself to the Carolina crowd. In which way? Well, if you haven't seen it, I'm going to explain it right now. It's cute, actually. So if you guys want to get aboard, last chance, 877-337-6666. Darnold was asked by the team to draw a few things on an easel with a Sharpie marker. And the final one was a Panthers logo. When he finished with his drawing on the easel, he smiled. He put his arms up like he was celebrating a touchdown, and he exclaimed, that's it. And the entire camera crew burst out laughing. I mean, it's hideous. It looks like a second grader drew it. You don't need me to retweet or repost it. Just go to any and all of the Panthers' social media accounts. It is their new profile picture across all of them. Uh, But you know what? At least Darnold knows that the mascot is a panther, not a bear, like Robbie Anderson, who was caught on a hot mic asking a teammate about the bear mascot in the stands. So Sam Darnold, Robbie Anderson, lots to learn down there in Carolina. (laughs) One, the mascot's a panther. Two, how to draw it. Um, But if you want to laugh, go ahead. Go go look up the Panthers on Twitter, Instagram, all of the above, and you'll see Sam Darnold's. Panthers drawing. Hideous Panthers drawing. <laughs> All right. In the order that you guys called, 877-337-6666. First, we'd go up to the Bronx. And Kevin, you're up on the fan. Then somebody drew a diagram of a defensive line on the on the board. He didn't know what it was. Danielle. <laughs> oh, no. no, an offensive line. He didn't know what it was. No, he knows the offensive <laughs> line because he talks to them in the huddle. But when he wants, goes up to the line of scrimmage, he doesn't know what he's looking at. Uh, Danielle, <laughs> first of all, you're doing a great job. Thank you. And most important, happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there, including the mothers and the moms out there with broken hearts. You guys out there who know them, you make sure they get flowers today. I don't care if it's your neighbor whatever it is, you make sure they get flowers too. Hats off to the firemen out in Long Island putting out some vicious fires this week. A lot of people don't know these guys go from the fire to their real jobs, their troopers, billionaire out there, do the right thing for those firehouses. Those guys need rest out there because I know I'm speaking to a lot of them and they need some rest. Now, the thing is, Danielle, first of all, if I was filling out the lineup for the fan softball team, you're batting leadoff. I'm telling you right now, you would be the leadoff hit. I don't care how big Boomer is. I'm kind of big, too. Carton's got a big mount and stuff. But listen, the other day on TV, the other day on TV, yeah, you're definitely the leadoff. I don't, not I don't like you. batting leadoff, though. There's too much pressure in leadoff. I like to no, bat it second. Is. You can handle. You can. Listen, I'd rather have you on base because you'll get on base and you know how to run the bases. You yeah. don't tie up the, the base pads. I really don't like batting leadoff, but he's right. I can run the bases. Um like Lindor did. Did you see Lindor, by the way? Lindor, there was a um, a throwdown to second. He, he stole second base. The throwdown to second base ricocheted into left field. And he he scored. So heads up on the base pass Lindor. Yeah, I, 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 I'm a pretty good base runner, too. But I, I just don't like batting first. Uh, I'd rather bat second. It's just a little less pressure. And, and that's just 
what, you know, when we talk about these guys batting in the batting order, like in which position are they batting? You know, what's the mentality behind it? Um, I, I, I do understand it. I just, I don't like batting first. I actually don't like, I actually would rather lead off than bat third. I hate batting third, especially with two outs. I just feel like it's like, like a waste. It's just my mentality. Joe in Staten Island, you're up on the fan. Good morning, coach. Um, I want to weigh in on the hockey craziness. Yeah. Um, I'm a Boston Bruins fan, and about eight weeks ago, Brandon Carlo got nailed by uh, Mr. Wilson, mm-hmm. the goon. Yep. And I res- I knew that we were going to get retribution. It didn't bother me. It's just, and the guy who fought, I forget his name, the guy who fought Wilson after that dirty cheap shot into the boards actually held his own, and there really wasn't a winner of the fight. But You're talking you have, the Rangers, right? No, I'm talking about the Bruins. Oh, Brandon oh, oh, Carlo, oh sorry. sorry. Brandon Carlo, weeks yeah. before that, like mm-hmm. eight weeks ago, and he's only been back for like a couple games. Yeah, no, I remember that. I remember that. I just thought you meant the, yeah. the recent Rangers one. It was Brandon Well, that's Smith. ridiculous, too. The yeah. NHL needs to, you know, straighten that out because yeah. it's sending a bad message. Mm-hmm. But I, I'm kind of hoping that Boston uh, plays them in the playoffs, Washington in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. I know sometimes they say, you know, careful what you wish for, but mm-hmm. Boston's had never had a problem with taking care of their own. And uh, that's why they call them the big bad Bruins. But uh, I want, you know, I don't wish harm on anybody, but he's got to get suspended for a big, big amount of time or. They got it. The NHL's got to do something. I mean, I love watching the sport, but I don't like seeing guys getting cheap shot. Especially, right. and when I heard about what happened to the Ranger players, right? It's disgusting. You know, like Joe, there's there's a difference between like hockey gamesmanship, fighting on the ice. It's part of the game. Everybody knows that. But yes. Tom Wilson, he t- takes it to a, a just a completely different level. He's like a, like an animal. He is out there. Yeah. Yeah. And why don't you fight somebody or hit somebody that's your size? Yeah. Right. You know. Right? He's fighting Teletubbies. <laughs> Teletubbies. <You know? laughs> Twinkie Dinky La La, right? Yeah. yeah, no, I know. And my cousin I was on the FaceTime with my cousin before, he's a huge Tampa Bay Lightning fan. Um, and he said that he went after one of their rookies. Like pick on somebody your own size, buddy. Yeah. Yeah. It's, he's a bully. He's a bully and a goon, and I think Boston's gonna take care of him. Well, you know what? I think that would be the only time that I would root for a Boston team is if they play against the the Washington <laughs> Capitals. Seriously. You know, it's funny. I'm all over the map. I'm a huge Yankee fan. I love baseball. I love baseball my whole life. And uh, I can understand where you're going with that. Yeah. Believe me, because I hate the Red Sox. <laughs> Can't right. stand it. Well, that's, hate's a strong word. Yeah, not, right. I don't like them very much. Yeah, I get it. No, I get it, Thanks Joe. For Thanks for the call. Yeah, of course. And I just found a Jesse James Decker music video on TV. This is pretty cool. You know, Eric Decker's wife. Jesse James Decker, country song. I bet you I know this song without having even heard it, too. Anyway, she sang one of the best national anthems that I've ever heard or seen. Actually, you know where it was? It was at the the Boomer and Carton when they did the uh, the True Blue game at Yankee Stadium. Jesse James Decker was singing the national anthem. One of the best I ever heard, actually, believe it or not. All right, let's go to Lenny in Fort Lauderdale. Lenny, you're up on the fan. Danielle, how you doing? Good, how are you? All righty. Oh, I love that little story about you as a kid. Uh, oh, playing, playing hockey, hockey in the driveway. Very adorable. <laughs> hey, you mentioned the wow factor earlier. You're in my wow factor, my friend. <laughs> love, I love your show. Well, thank you. Anyway, um, let's do a little baseball, a little basketball. 
the Astros, they can't get enough enough stuff for me from from fans. You know, they're getting off scot free. Last year, no fans in the stands. This year, just a few. And they cry about the 10,000 Yankees. If there was a full house in that Yankee right. stadium, they might have just packed up and left. <laughs> Big babies. Uh, you got, you do, you do what you did, you do your dirt, you gotta take, you gotta take the price, you know? Right. I know. Seriously. They didn't even, if that's, well, listen, if I cheated uh, like they did and that's the worst that happened to me, I'd be okay with it, uh, honestly. Please. They should, they should just get it from everywhere. Well, I, I mean, it was just terrible what they did. And they are. And, and let's go to. on to the Knicks. Um, I think they're going to do some damage in the playoffs. I really, I really hope so. I hope they keep it up. Uh, do you know much about this point guard that they got? Uh, you hear about this guy? No, I can't say I do. No. Uh, some uh, some Argentinian point guard. They signed oh, up for three years. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if he's going to be eligible for the playoffs, but I'm sure he could be a help because Nicolinda, he's not too not too sharp. And uh, Peyton doesn't bring much to the table except for some defense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it so, says, uh, um, he said it says that he can join the Knicks after clearing immigration and COVID protocols. So yeah, I hope he can get in there. And also, these other teams complaining, like the LeBrons and everybody complaining about the playing game. I kind of like it, you know. It, it, it so don't do your load management. Play your game, yep. and you wouldn't have to worry about being in a playing game. I agree. You know, I agree. And let me give it just a little more kudos to um, Westbrook. The guy comes to play every night. He may not be the best player, but he sure is the hardest working player out there. The guy's a beast yeah. night after night, mm-hmm. triple double, triple double every night. You know. Yep. I would. And, I would uh, almost. And and he gets a triple double, and it's not just numbers. I think I saw a stat. He wins seventy five percent of the games. When he has a triple-double. Look, that's a good stat, Lenny. You brought the homework tonight. I appreciate the call. And you know what? That's almost like uh, reminds me of uh, like, a, like a James Harden. I know he's been injured, but James Harden's a worker too. I mean, for the Nets anyway. I could speak about it from the Nets' perspective. James Harder, Harden, he, he's a hard worker, man. He, he fights for those, those you know, balls off the glass and things like that, whereas the other Nets really don't. As far as the Knicks in the playoffs – Honestly, I think a lot of teams, it depends on the matchups, right, and who they're playing and stuff. Um, because if they get a team that plays inside-out basketball, I don't know if they're going to have some good fortune against that team. But I do think that the Knicks play with enough grit, play with enough stinginess on the defensive side of the ball, that if they get a team that doesn't score at a high clip, or, you know, at a top clip like like the Nets do, like hopefully it's not the Nets for the Knicks, but... Um, I think the Knicks could do some damage. I, I don't want to say, listen, they're not going to the championship. Oh, I mean, I don't want to say that, but I think the Knicks will win the first round of, of the playoffs depending on the matchup. and they, Or not win, they can win. I think the Knicks can win the first round of the playoffs depending on who they draw um, in, in the, um, you know, how the, how the seedings fall and the brackets fall. But um, as far as the playing game, I like it. I love the playing game for basketball anyway. I don't like it so much for baseball because um, baseball is built upon series. You have to win series, whereas basketball not really is not really. It's more about winning games, the quantity of games that you win, not the series that you win, basically. So uh, as far as a playing game for basketball, I love it. Stop with the load management. Get out there and play a full game. I like it. Keep it. Sparky in Dobbs Ferry. You're up on the fan. 
First of all, Coach, how's everything? I'm good, Sparky. How are you? Um, all right. Now, yesterday's Yankee game, it reminded me so much of games that the Yankees used to have with the Red Sox when Pedro Martinez pitched mm. and the importance of how Kluber kept the Yankees in the game and then they got to the bullpen just the way how years ago the Yankee starters kept them in the game with Pedro and they took advantage of the bullpen. Yeah. And and as far as that hockey player Tom Wilson, now I'm dating myself. I'm a year older than your father, by okay. the way. Okay. And do you remember a player, Dave Schultz? Can't say I do, no. Well, the the Philadelphia Flyers in the seventies, they were called the Broad Street Bullies. Mm. And Dave Schultz used to do just like Wilson. He would take cheap shots at the least likely players to defend themselves mm -hmm. and you know what stopped him not the league a player from the island is clock gilly stopped him he beat him to a pulp oh. Oh, and you know what's bad part that's the only way that guy's going to be stopped because the league ain't going to do nothing i know about it. yeah well he he, he had an injury tonight against the flyers and i don't know if it was intentional or not it was a knee injury and the skater kind of just skated right into him on the open ice it, it, people are calling it accidental. I'm not sure. And also, now as far as Sam Donald, he's going to do really good down in Carolina. Because one thing that's important, even as bad as things were here, he always sat in front of the media, answered questions with class and dignity. Yes. And I hope he does well. And by the way, tomorrow when you go to the, I mean today when you go to the game, mm -hmm. I'm thinking about. 2015 when I went to the stadium for my 60th birthday and I had my name on the scoreboard and it was photographed. Yeah. And it's like, oh my God. Is it cool? <laughs> oh my God. I have a picture. It's like, oh wow. Was it up for a while? Like, is it? Yes, it, it is. was up. Okay. It was up. My niece from Chicago told, sent a surprise for my birthday mm -hmm. and I'm like, holy cow. <laughs> it it was like the whole scoreboard, really? and I'm like, and by the way, after that inning, when I saw that, I went in the bathroom and did the All-American thing. I cried. Oh, you cried. Heck yeah. Oh. The bleacher creatures singing happy birthday to me. It don't get better than that. Sparky, thanks for the call. I appreciate it. I'll be thinking about you today at City Field uh, when we go. For sure. Well, for my dad's birthday, for Mother's Day, whatever. Thanks to all the callers. Could not have done it without you guys. I love coming here talking to you guys. If you missed any portion of the show, hit that Odyssey Rewind feature. Uh, it's at 3 a.m. And at 4.40 was the Cynthia Freeland, backed by popular demand to evaluate the Jets and Giants in the draft classes. Great job to Emmanuel, as always, tonight. And happy graduation, Emmanuel. <laughs> and, and Mike McKenna on the updates. Bob Salter is up next. In the meantime, you guys can hit my socials at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N and Facebook.com slash Coach McCartan. And let's keep that conversation going throughout the week. And maybe I'll see you guys at the Met game later today, but it's a degromination day. Let's go Mets, at least for today anyway. Thanks, everybody. Sports Radio 101.